0: Hey there, guys, and welcome back to the Travis and Damien Podcast, episode 126. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and more. Today, we are talking about The Game Awards, The Last of Us Part Two, Madam Web, The Marvels, Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, and more. But as usual, we're going to start with our recent activity, starting with the Loki 2 season finale. So uh this is kind of old news at this point but you know what we didn't talk about the finale last time and we were kind of skeptical in terms of what was going to happen with this season and this is just peak mcu shit like what can i really say about it this this hour of content was just so much fun to watch and just see how loki was trying to fix what was done and sort of him going back in time and everything like that but yeah what'd you think of it damian
1: yeah i i loved it you know um I, you know, I, with a lot of the other MCU shows, the finales always kind of fall flat, I guess, because mm-hmm. um, I feel like they have to end in like a really big CGI fight, <laughs> you know, a lot of the time. And um, a lot of them didn't really have to. Like, I think WandaVision, like, definitely feels like that didn't feel like it had to be a big CGI fight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it got uh, Moon Knight and then a secret invasion. Like, all these, like, ended in like these big fights. Except for Moon Knight, like really just cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's true but he did have the big fight with um the two gods and shit mm-hmm. as well yeah, yeah yeah. um and i feel like you didn't really need that because it doesn't like you know necessarily like fit the theme of the show or whatever and i feel like loki does a good job with both of its finales for season one and two because it kind of focuses on you know just the characters and loki himself since um he who remains isn't really like a um I guess, like, he's not really, like, a fighting type. He's more of, like, a, um, you know, just talk it out type of guy. Mm-hmm. So, it makes, like, the conflicts with him, like, a lot more interesting. Like, in this one, the whole first half of the episode is kind of, like, this whole death loop thing where he's trying to figure out, like, okay, how could I do this? And how could I stop the time loom from exploding and all this? And, you know, he gets, like, creative ways to do it, like, through a whole funny sequence. every like I mean, I really like death loop stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's always, like, fun to watch, like... You know, I love Re-Zero, and I also love that one Tom Cruise movie. them. Forget- I think it was just <laughs> called Deathloop, I forgot. No, that's the name of that game, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> I-, I really like that concept. So, um, you know, seeing Loki try to figure this stuff out by using, you know, his own skills of being, like, smart and cunning and stuff like that, I, I thought that was really cool, you know, since he's not... Loki's also not really, like, a type of person to just, like, fight people either. Yeah. So I thought it was really cool how they um, kind of set this finale up to be something more like that, and him trying to figure out, how do I stop you know, Kang from like sort of his way and also make the branches like not die out and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he, he wants to have his cake and eat it too. And then in, in the end, he he did it. So uh, I thought it was a really strong finale.
0: Yeah, I think that everything that the episode was sort of setting up and sort of them being like, oh, now he could like time slip whenever he wants to sort of jump to wherever he wants. And just seeing that initial first part i was like oh okay and then it was like centuries later i was like holy shit he actually like (laughs) studied quantum physics and then you know it plays into that part of the episode where he's just like going through the motions and we don't know exactly how many times he's done it at that point but you know he knows what he's doing and i think that the way that they send off this version of loki off obviously this isn't the last time we're going to be seeing him but just having his story end here it it being the way that it is with him sort of like You know, I guess I'm not exactly sure what the term is, but, you know, he's he's keeping the timelines in order, if you will, um, at the sacrifice of his own happiness for the people that he loves and everything like that. So I really did like the way that it all sort of came together and having him just, you know, be like, all right, well, I'm going to just do this because he's done it hundreds and thousands of times. And he's like, I well, this is this is the only way for us to really find a satisfying conclusion.
1: Yeah, it was cool how they made it so, like, you know, he can't really ever defeat Kang, like, kind of just had to take his place, but um, Mm -hmm. then finding a way to, like, get rid of the time loom, since that was the thing that was actually causing, you know, all the other branches to, like, go away, basically, because it was meant to just keep the sacred timeline in check, Mm -hmm. Um, and him, like, just sort of, like, you know, do my own thing by just grabbing all the branches and, like... Uh, just making like the tree of life over there, like that was really cool imagery, by the way, yeah. as well. Like I think the like the imagery here was really good. Like you know, it ties into the um, the Norse shit by making uh, Idrisel and stuff. So that that was really cool. Um, and I don't know, I, it really fits into the the Loki thing because you know. Um, I feel like he always wanted to be a god, and then he didn't want to be a god, and now he's like, okay, I'm gonna be a god, but, like, be, like, a good god. <laughs> and they, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> just overseeing everyone, even though it's, like, really lonely and shit, but, you know, he's happy that all his friends are able to, like, live on, and all the other branching timelines are able to just, like, exist now. Um, and it could just keep adding more branching timelines, because add more branches to the to the tree and shit, so mm-hmm. I thought that was a really cool way to, like, sort of end this Loki story arc. I mean, like you said, Probably isn't the last time we're gonna see this Loki in particular. Yeah, but um, I think the way the whole story wraps up, like, it feels good. Like the TVA is like in check. You know, the timelines are in check. The the only thing is like the Kang stuff, Mm -hmm. right? And I think now Marvel kind of has a good scapegoat to just not do Kang stuff if they really don't want to. With the actor being weird, you know, they want to say, okay, this was it. This is like the whole Kang stuff. Even though, you know. I still don't like it in the sense that they've been building up so much of it and it'll still feel kind of dumb, but I can at least accept that this was a good finale for, like, the Loki show, and if they want to end the whole multiverse, uh, you know, Kang stuff here by being like, oh, we have all the branches in check, it's fine, then sure, I guess, but, you know, it's still, it's still going to be a messy situation just because of the whole um, Jonathan Major shit, but uh, I guess we'll see, but I- I'm just happy the show ended good, you know, that's all I can really ask for, <laughs>
0: But yeah, I mean, I think that Marvel really did give themselves a way out, but also they didn't. I mean, I could see why that, I guess like that Marvel insider from last episode was like, oh, you know, like they're kind of fucked with this whole scenario or whatever. Yeah. But I think that this angle does give them a way out to a certain extent because, you know, it, it, it did allude to the king that we saw within Ant-Man in terms of like, you know, they dealt with them or whatever. Um, but, you know, I could see them pivoting away from it, but I could also see them uh. Going deeper into it, uh, apparently a rumor that I saw on Twitter, I don't know if that's reliable, obviously, <laughs> but apparently they can't just recast Kang because there's a clause within Jonathan Major's contract where he is, he is the only one that could play any variants and sort of any version of Kang within the Marvel what Cinematic the Universe or something uh, something like that. I don't know if that's 100% true. Obviously, I'm not fact-checking that right now, but that would explain why they would have to pivot to dr doom if they were to do that because right now the kang dynasty director left the project so uh, but he's still going to be working on shang chi too so i have no idea what's going on there what's going on behind the scenes but if they wanted to dive deeper into it this this ending allows it but at the same time it does open it up for them to just be like oh you know like we dealt with them off screen kind of thing you know like with the TVA and everything with this finale and you know Whether or not they continue with Loki, uh, the series from here on out, apparently they only plan two seasons, so I hope that it stays that way because I mm-hmm. don't want them to force a season three if they don't have any more new material right now unless there's something that they really want to cook up with this version of Loki that can't be done within another Marvel project.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I really don't want to see a season three. Not because like I, I don't like the show. It's like the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like it too much. And um, <laughs> I feel like I just don't want them to, like, ruin their own ending and, like, sort of, like, you know, go back on stuff or whatever just to make it, like, some arbitrary reason why we need a season three. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm happy for it just being a two-season thing. Um, you know, I think I, I still definitely think it's like the the best Marvel show at this point. Yeah. I don't know if there's like any comparison at this point. You know, besides the not you know the Netflix stuff, but in terms of like actual MCU stuff, I think this is definitely the best Marvel show they have made. So, um, hopefully, you know, things like Echo and stuff could be a bit better in like delivering like Loki did. But um, I'm just happy this show ended well, and um, you know, that's all I can really ask for. <laughs> you know, Marvel shows always fumble in the end, and I'm I'm happy this one didn't. So that's good.
0: Yeah, especially since because of the way that they've been doing the shows, there hasn't been, like, a showrunner or anyone really, like, you know, making sure that the shows stay on, like, a good path to make sure that they are coherent and they're, you know, story-driven and they're engaging for the viewer. You know, this is definitely Mm -hmm. the best MCU show by far, Um, and, you know, it's, like, without a doubt, like... You know, something that I guess was expected, not really expected. I, I know a lot of people, including us, you know, we didn't really expect much from the Loki show because it's, you know, it's, it's about this random variant that we saw within like five seconds of Endgame or whatever. And now they're going to make a whole show about it. How is that going to work? But this ended up being like a really good story to tell for Loki and just like a really good show in general.
1: Yep. And I'm happy they didn't mess it up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now let's get into our recent activities. Um, I will let Damien go first because he has the video games on his side. And then I got uh, Mario Wonder on top of on top of his games list. And then I got one movie.
1: Yeah, so I finished Kingdom Hearts 2. I did that, like, basically, like, right after the last podcast. And, yeah, it was really good. You know, I could see why people think this is, like, probably the best in the series. Uh, everything I said before applies to, like, what I think now. I think the combat's super fun. I think there's a lot of, like, different things you could do within the combat. Um, you know, the first Kingdom Hearts was, like, you know, uh, it had pretty basic combat. It got better towards the end. But I feel mm-hmm. like 2 basically took that and just, like, ran with it. So, like, by the end game, you're just doing, like, so many crazy flips and shit. And it's like super fun. <laughs> um, and like I also said in the last podcast, I think the boss fights are like super good as well. Like, you know, there's like a really a lot of cool mechanics and stuff you gotta do. Some bosses totally change up how you would fight them. Um, and it just makes for some really engaging boss fights that I feel like a lot of other action RPGs don't do as well because they just feel like damage spongy. Um This game, like, it, they have a whole category where people just do the game on the hardest difficulty at level one because, um, like, a lot of bosses don't really feel too damage spongy. It's kind of just like being able to dodge their attacks and shit. Um, And I think that's great. You know, I think that's how most, like, good combat systems probably should be in, like, sort of, like, avoiding the damage spongy type of stuff um but besides that you know i thought the disney world's were fun to go to even though some of them were kind of weird like the uh little mermaid one is just like a musical and that's like kind (laughs) of weird um yeah like you know you had like two of the songs from the movie and those are good because the songs of that movie were good but then you had like two or i guess three original songs that were fucking garbage i'm like what the fuck (laughs) it's so weird because the rest of the music in kingdom hearts is good but the uh those two vocal tracks were like fucking shit (laughs) i'm like what the hell (laughs) um but yeah besides that uh the game was great um again i also have to like compliment just like the remaster in general like um i think these kingdom heart like collections are like some of the best like sort of remasters i've played uh and it makes me sad every time like why didn't Ratchet clank get something like this why didn't Ratchet <laughs> clank get like a, like a god tier remaster like this you know it had all the content from the final mix versions which only came out in japan um the games like just look great i had like no bugs at all everything look it looks as great as it could be i think got have clank with his like floating helmet <laughs> and it just makes me sad but yeah it was really good i i, I really Understand why people love Kingdom Hearts two so much and why it's sort of like still like one of their favorites in the series. Um, I'm excited to play some of the other ones in the series. Uh, you know, I know Birth by Sleep is also a fan favorite as well, and I'm excited to play Kingdom Hearts three because I know that one's very controversial if you like it or not. But two <laughs> is very good. Uh, I really did enjoy my time with it. I'm happy just. I'm like fuck it I'm just gonna play it, and I'm happy I did because it, it was a good time. Uh, next is Mario Wonder. I have beat it. I fully hundred percent it. Uh, it. Took me like I think like twelve hours. I think sound like that. Um, so yeah, I, I thought the game was great. Like I, you know, I basically again everything I said before. Like level design is fantastic. The wonder effects are are so creative and cool. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the badge system is really cool. There's so many different things you could do with it. You know, um, you have all like the different uh, I guess the movement abilities you have with the badges. But you also have these special badges that sort of like hamper you, which is cool if you want like more of a challenge run type thing. I think that's a, a cool thing that they added. Um, Again, the, uh, the only real negative about this game is probably the boss fights. Like, yes. like, they're pretty lame. Mm-hmm. Like it's just Bowser Jr. and and honestly, like it doesn't matter that much because bosses in Mario are usually just whatever. But I feel like it kind of stands out more in this game just because the game is so creative and it's always doing new things with like every single level. Um, that the boss fights feel very lazy or like they just feel like an afterthought, and mm-hmm. they probably were. Um, like I think two of the three worlds don't even have boss fights. Like it's just like just do the thing, um. So it just makes them stand out a bit more. I think the final boss is pretty fun. Uh, yeah. I guess mean, still nothing too crazy, but it, it, it's a little more. It's obviously a lot more creative than the Bowser Jr. fights. But um, I, I definitely feel they could have done a lot more with the boss fights. Like you could have done all the crazy wonder effects with like a different enemy. Like maybe a Goomba turns into like some fucking giant monster or some shit i don't know (laughs) like there's so many creative things they could have done it ends up just feeling like kind of whatever for the boss fights but i feel like that doesn't really hamper the experience all too much i think the game is still fantastic like probably my favorite 2d mario at this point i I need to like think over it some more like i love mario world and mario brothers 3 but um wonder is is very good uh any thoughts on you yeah
0: (laughs) i mean you're pretty much down to right on the head. You know, this game does so many creative things and every single level is such a Pleasure to play through. Like you never know what you're gonna run into when you find that wonder flower. And even when you play it for the first time, it's not always right in front of you. Sometimes you might get to the end of the level and it's like, oh, you finished it, question mark. But in reality, you have to go back and you have to sort of figure that stuff out. Uh, there might be a different path, there might be something that you missed out on. Um, but that's where the badges come into play. There's one of them that pretty much is a radar to show you exactly where the wonder flower is, but also where the collectibles are. And the badges themselves are a lot of fun, like you said, you know, every single one really does enhance your experience. And because you're able to switch the badge every single time you die, it makes it so, oh, okay, so like this badge is kind of useless. Now I can switch it off and maybe give myself a mushroom real quick. So then I could guarantee myself whatever power up that they're going to give me within that level to, you know, get that collectible or something like that. Um, and yeah, the boss fights are definitely something that they could have improved on 100%. The final boss is definitely the most creative and the most fun. Uh, I was definitely, uh, kind of bad at like uh, keeping up with the rhythm i guess and i was yeah. just like i am so terrible i need to like pause my podcast and like actually like <laughs> listen to like what the hell is going on here but yeah mario wonder is like a 10 out of 10 experience i can see why it's up for game of the year and this is you know another nintendo game that came out this year that's just 100 percent polished like there was no bugs no glitches no nothing uh you pop the game right in there's no day one patch or anything like that like it is just a flawless experience and you know if you haven't played it yet check it out you know it is definitely worth $60
1: 100% yeah I guess like the only down like another downside is like maybe the game might be a bit too easy like I do feel like um, mm-hmm. like you know the new Super Mario Bros. games maybe had a bit more challenging levels but I don't really think that's a downside because I'd rather have like more unique levels and uh, interesting concepts going on than it just being hard I guess mm-hmm. uh, I mean that's how I always am I'm not really like like I don't mind a hard game at all like I do like challenge and stuff but yep. um I don't need to be, like, challenged all the time. I'm okay <laughs> with just having, like, really cool level concepts and just seeing what they do with it. Um, and I guess with that difficulty in mind, I really enjoyed the special world in this game a lot. I did all the levels. I did even the final, final test, uh, like, the last level. And that was pretty hard. That took me an hour to do. <laughs> so that, that was pretty hard. But I think the rest of the special world stages are, like, a really good difficulty to, like, really get you sweating a little bit, but they're not, like, yeah. too, too bad. So yeah. um, I, I really enjoyed all of them a lot. So, yeah, overall, I think the package is really good. Um, um, yeah, I definitely would recommend it. Like, I think sixty is is you know it might be a bit steep for some people for like maybe like a ten hour game, but for me, I think the quality really shows like the shines throughout the whole game. So um, yeah, yeah, I I could definitely see why it's game of the year as well. It's it's very good. <laughs> and next, I have two games here that both came out the same day. I only played like about like an hour of each, like just so I could get like a good like first impressions for the podcast. Uh, obviously, I'm gonna play them more uh, afterward. <laughs> but first is mario rpg um this is obviously a remake of mario rpg that came out for the super nintendo in like 1990 something i forget exactly when but it's Might been a very be long time
0: 96 but i will look that up for you
1: yeah um when was it
0: i was correct uh march oh. 9th 1996 look at me look at that I'm fucking 96. mario wikipedia every year. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, yeah, this is um, sort of Mario's first foray into the RPG genre, and this was made by Square Enix. Uh, This remake isn't. I think this is made by some other person. But, um, you know, it takes a lot of those classic JRPG tropes from that time. So, you know, it's turn-based battling. You have, like, the isometric view and stuff. But it does a lot to sort of, like, I guess make it enjoyable for people that either don't like JRPGs or uh, is, like, someone's first JRPG. Um, And the way it does that is by making the game a lot more interactive, so... Um, a lot of the combat and stuff. You know, turn-based is mostly you just select an attack and then you watch your character do the attack and whatever. And to some people, that's boring. Uh, I mm-hmm. like turn-based, so it's whatever. But <laughs> the way the Mario RPGs really fix this and makes it more fun for a lot of people is having uh, reaction commands or action commands. So whenever you do an attack, you're going to have like a little timing window to press A and then your attack will do more damage or have some other bonus effect and stuff. And you can even block enemy attacks by doing the same thing. If you get the timing right, you could take either no damage or reduce damage and that kind of keeps the gameplay really like reactive and stuff. It makes you like, you know, not just like I guess doze off if you if you like find turn-based RPGs boring or whatever. Um and that sort of carries on to every other Mario RPG. So that stuff is still there. Um, and I guess in terms of the whole remake quality, you know, it is more of a faithful remake. It's not like uh, going as crazy with like changing shit as some other stuff. But um, I-, I think visually, the game looks great. Like I think it, it totally adapts the uh, Super Nintendo art style really well. Like it still feels like that Super Nintendo. Uh, early CG, like, I don't even know what you call it, you know, like Donkey Kong Country, right? Yeah. But it's, like, it's, a C, it's like a CG model, but it's like a sprite, right? So it basically does that, but so it's fully 3D, and it looks really good. Um, the music is great, as well as all remastered and stuff, so it sounds great as well. Um... And they added some new stuff, like this like new cutscenes now and just like a new like sort of like triple attack team thing now. Those has like a little cool cutscene and stuff. And that stuff looks great. Like I think like the, the cutscenes really add a lot to the game as well. Um and yeah, it's just a really faithful remaster to uh or I guess remake of Mario RPG. Um you know, I have played the game before. It's been a long time though. I, I think I played it during the Wii Virtual Console, so mm-hmm. I, I do have some memories of like like some of the set pieces and stuff. But it's been so long that you know, I might as well be me playing it through again, like new. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I highly suggest this game to anyone that's like interested in a Mario RPG if you never played one before, or if you never played like really a JRPG before, because I think this is a good sort of like stepping stone into that genre or just for anyone to really enjoy. Since the game also has a bunch of mini games sprinkled throughout. So, you, you know, it's not just battling or like just walking around. Like the game asks you to do a lot of different stuff to sort of get like your dopamine going up, you know? <laughs> so, um, and I think that's a really cool way to uh, sort of get people that aren't into this genre more interested. It's actually what Kingdom Hearts does as well. Like Kingdom Hearts isn't just like going around and fighting things. Like there's a lot of mini games and other things to do as well To uh, So I guess, get people to actually be interested in like this genre, uh, instead of things like, you know, sound like Xenoblade, where it's basically just walking, questing and, you know, killing shit, right? Like this Mm -hmm. game has a lot more variety than that. Um, and the game is pretty short too. Like it's not like a really long time commitment of an RPG. If that's also what you're scared of, it's only like 10 hours. If you want to like beat the thing, like it's a very short, so Mm -hmm. for an RPG anyway, um, so yeah, I, I highly suggest it to like anyone that's like interested in Mario RPGs or just like wanna play it to begin with. So also I just want good Mario RPGs again, so please buy <laughs> <laughs> it. I can't deal with this dumb fucking paper Mario not RPG shit. Like, no, I want like actual Mario RPGs again, please. So um yeah, uh it's really good. <laughs> I, I've been really enjoying it. Um and next I have Persona 5 Tactica. So this also came out the same day as Mario RPG, so my wallet hurts. <laughs> but um <laughs> Um, but, yeah, the game is basically Persona 5. is a new spinoff of Persona 5. Uh, I believe it takes place, like, sort of after the main story, but not really. Like, it... they they always try to slot these spinoffs to like sort of be canon for Persona 5 but it doesn't really matter too much Uh, but I will say that probably don't play this first because it spoils a bunch of shit for Persona Mm -hmm. 5 and also why would you like just play the (laughs) the actual game then the spinoffs but either way uh, it basically takes Persona 5 and makes it into a uh, tactics game so like think of like Fire Emblem or Rabbids or XCOM right it basically plays like that now and um, it plays really well it actually takes a lot more inspiration from from Rabbids than anything else which is weird so so um, the game is a lot more based on positioning and movement than anything else um, so it does the thing where uh, if you hit an enemy you could get like a once more like how Persona does things so if you hit an enemy for its weakness uh, you get you could like move again basically and the whole game is kind of built around that like you want to like keep getting once more is to uh, keep getting more turns and stuff uh, position your characters to do these like sort of like triple attack shit It's basically an all-out attack from the base game and mm-hmm. um, And it makes for a really uh, satisfying gameplay loop because you want to keep moving your guys everywhere. You want to keep comboing and keep moving around and shit until you get, like, a perfect combo and just, like, wipe out, like, whatever group of enemies you're, like, fighting. Um, And, you know, that works really well in, like, the base persona combat. And I think they translated that really well into sort of, like, the tactics uh, side of things. Um, and yeah, that, that's really all I have right now because I haven't played too much of it. like I don't know too much about the story or whatever yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the presentation. like the game goes for a more chibi art style, which I know some people don't really like. Like some people are like really, really hate Chibi like art styles, <laughs> but I don't mind it. I think it looks cute. Uh, the, per- the the production value is still, like, pretty good for what it is. Like, the menus and stuff all look really stylized, like, how Persona usually does things. Um, and, yeah, I'm just satisfied that the combat is as fun as it is because I'm, like, I don't know how you would do a Tactics Persona game. But um, I think they've been doing it uh, really well. You know, it feels different enough from all the other Tactics games I have played. You know, it still has, like, the cover system with, like, XCOM where you can have, like, half cover and full cover and shit um, but, you know, it does have its little flair persona stuff in it. So I'm excited to de- to uh, dive more into it and stuff and, like, talk about some more. Uh, the game also isn't very long either. I think it's, like, 20-ish also hours. Like, it's not, like, too, too long. Uh, I, I'm used to persona games for a hundred <laughs> hours, so, so that, that's a pretty good length as well. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to playing more of it. But, yeah, the first impressions are pretty good.
0: All right, so I got one more thing I'm going to talk about here before we get into the Game Award nominees. So I watched The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. So... Uh, funnily enough, I've only watched two of the Hunger Games movies before watching this. I watched The Catching Fire. I believe that's the second film right before this one. And I really liked that one. That one was pretty good. I think it is a lot better there than the first film. I mean, it's been months since I've seen the first one. But, you know, just I guess recency bias. You know, the second movie is definitely like a lot of fun. And I hear the last two are actually kind of bad. So can't yeah. wait to watch those. <laughs> but this movie, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, I was thoroughly surpri- surprised by it. It was just... A really well-made movie like it had really compelling characters um i didn't know who the backstory was on but it was on uh president snow who's like the bad guy so like (laughs) i guess like the the twist closer to the end or whatever you know sort of like his downfall as like the hero character i was like oh okay so this was gonna happen eventually but um you know, everything about the movie, just the characters, the presentation, like, the twist, the turns, you know, obviously, like, this is a prequel, so there's only so many, you know, sort of surprises that they could throw at the viewer, but a lot of them really, you know, were entertaining and, you know, threw me off guard to a certain extent, and I really liked what they did with the first two parts of this movie, because the way that it's, like, separated is that, like, all right, first up is part one, and then part two, then part three, so, you know, it's it's just labeling out the three-act structure for you, but the third act is, like, it's so rushed, I feel like it was just yeah, like. Yeah, I, I
1: heard about that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it was just like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, there's a lot going on. So,
1: so uh, apparently, I, I was actually reading about this after you were telling me about this. Um, <laughs> apparently, this is like based off three books, apparently, for the backstory stuff. And mm. then the they decided to like put all the books into one movie. So, the last like third of the movie is basically the whole last book or something. I don't know why they did it like that. It probably mm. could just split into two movies. But, yeah. Um, yeah I think, th- that's probably why
0: i think the director also directed the previous hunger games movie so he was like yeah. i don't want to split the movies again so right. i guess he tried to cram everything as much as possible under three hours so obviously some things are going to be left out and certain things are going to feel rushed and not exactly 100 percent there because the first two acts were like perfect i was like holy shit like i am like invested like more so <laughs> than i really thought i was gonna be because obviously like I'm, I'm not like a hunger games fan so i was just like right. okay yeah like I really dig this movie. Even then, you know, even though the the third part of the film was rushed and sort of out of place, the ending was like all worth it. I was just like, holy fuck, like what the hell just happened? Um but yeah, you know, it is definitely a movie worth watching if you are interested within Hunger Games. Um I would not go into this without knowing anything about Hunger Games. At least watch the first movie because they don't really explain like what the games are or anything like that. You kinda they kind of just assume that you know that that it's like a battle royale thing that they do every single year or whatever you know so i guess with that explanation out of the way you can watch this movie safely kind of but you know you would not appreciate it as much as i guess like a normal hunger games fans would but you know as someone who only watched the first two films i was thoroughly surprised by this film all right So let's get into the Game Award nominees. So we're not going to go through every single category. We're just going to go through, obviously, Game of the Year. We're going to start off with it. And then we're just like pick and choose which ones we want to talk about. And obviously, talk about the... uh, The certain things that have been going on surrounding the Game Awards, such as the lack of Starfield uh, and Jedi Survivor, and some people are upset about Hogwarts Legacy. But you know, we'll talk about it when we talk about it. So first up, the Game of the Year nominees are Alan Wake Two, Baldur's Gate Three, Marvel's Spider-Man Two, Resident Evil Four, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So as a person who has only really played two of these games, uh, which is Spider-Man 2 and Mario Wonder, uh, I still think Baldur's, Baldur's Gate 3 is going to take it, you know, even though uh, you know Damien will probably discuss more about that game uh, after I'm done talking, but, you know, that <laughs> game was just like, it was just such a big thing to happen where it was just like okay like literally everyone's playing this game and no one really expected it to do as well as it was and it really did take people by surprise and also just like the technicality and sort of elevated that genre and in it, in it of itself as well i think zelda could also take it as well because it's fucking zelda and this was like a lot of people's most anticipated game of the year and it really did nail the head in terms of being a sequel to uh breath of the wild so
1: Yeah, so I I played four of these. Uh, I'm hoping to do RE4 before the end of the year. But, um, you know, I think Baldur's Gate 3 is, like... It's really good, right? I I do think that is probably going to end up winning Game of the Year. Like, there's something in me as well that thinks, like, that game is going to just end up taking it just because... Like, it's been in so much of the public sort of, like, mind, I guess, Mm -hmm. so far. Like, Baldur's Gate 3. Like, I can't go anywhere without hearing that game right now. So, Um, And I feel like Tears of the Kingdom... Kind of just came and went for a lot of people. Like, I obviously, got like tens and shit, and people. I mean, it's probably is my game of the year still, um, but I feel like that game kind of came and went out of the public consciousness more than Baldur's Gate three did. Like, Baldur's Gate three really stuck around. Mm-hmm. Like, it came out in August, and people are still playing it. Like, by like a lot. Like, the Steam numbers are, are insane for that game. Um, so I I, I think. Is gonna probably end up winning Game of the Year, and it might end up <laughs> sweeping. Honestly, but yeah. I think this year has been so strong that I think all these games have really strong contenders. Obviously, we just talked about Mario Wonder being like insanely good. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think Zelda is like one of my favorite sequels and probably one of my favorite Zelda games. Now, I mean. Like, my two favorite Zelda games were Breath of the Wild and, and Wind Waker. And I think this basically just is, like, a better Breath of the Wild. So, yeah, Tears of the Kingdom is really good. <laughs> um, and obviously, like, Spider-Man 2, you know, we talked about that in length uh, in, a, in a, like, two podcasts ago or something. Yeah. And that game is obviously insane as well. Um, my brother played Island Wake 2. He said it, like, is amazing that there's one yeah. part that's, like, so insane. I feel uh, like... Yeah. I feel like
0: that's a game that's like a much sleeper hit amongst these Game of the Year nominees, just because some people are going to be scared by the Alan Wake 2 on there that they're not going to play it. But mm-hmm. I feel like every single time people play the game and people talk about it, it's always just high praise in terms of how polished it is, and also just like how good the game is as well. You know, like no one really expected Alan Wake 2 to be as good as it was, but you know, because it came out, you know sort of towards the end of October and a lot of people are already you know played Mario or or played Spider-Man you know they were sort of burnt out on gaming possibly but you know I I still want to play Alan Wake 2 before the end of the year because you know I am almost done with Alan Wake 1 and I feel like that this game is going to do a lot of things for me story-wise if you will
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I heard nothing but good things about it and I definitely want to like This is definitely on the list. Like, I do want to play Mm -hmm. Alan Wake One, obviously, and I do want to play Control as well. So I probably want to do those before I get into Alan Wake Two. But um, it's definitely on the list because it looks great. So, uh, and yeah, I heard nothing but good things about it. So yeah, I think any. I I honestly wouldn't be mad if any of these games games won, but I definitely think it's Baldur's Gate Three. Like, I think that game is just gonna take it uh, in my eyes. Either that or Zelda, but I'm leaning more towards Baldur's Gate.
0: (laughs) Uh, what is your opinion on the lack of Starfield? Because this was sort of like a huge point of discussion. As someone <laughs> like yourself who has actually played the game, you know, as someone yeah. who has an outsider perspective, you know, them not even getting a Game of the Year nomination is very surprising to me. You know, even though the game had a lot of bugs and sort of was not one hundred percent polished, at the end of the day, you know, Spider-Man 2 is up there. You know, that game wasn't polished when when it launched. You know, they one hundred percent pushed it out just to make sure that they were able to sell those holiday bundles in retailers. Uh, and, you know, obviously certain things slipped through through the cracks uh, sort of performance-wise. But I think Starfield yeah. definitely got snubbed out in terms of the 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 Game Award just because, you know, that was like Xbox's big game and for it to be pretty much not in a lot of these categories is is kind of sad.
1: So, like, as someone who played Starfield, I have 100 hours <laughs> in it uh, after two months, I think the game is good. But... I think all the games on the Game of the Year list are just better. Like, I I definitely think that you know, I feel like you can't just give, like, a pity vote just because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, here is a Microsoft game and it has to be there. Yeah. Like, I don't really think so. Like, I, again, I'm not even hating on Starfield. Like, I liked Starfield. Like, I thought it was a good game. But I feel like in a year as stacked as this one, being good just isn't good enough. You know, like, you have to be, <laughs> like, amazing at this point. Yeah. And I feel like all the games on Game of the Year are kind of just amazing. Now, I do agree. It, maybe it should have been in a few more different categories. Like, it only being an RPG is a little weird. Um, same thing with some of the other games, like, you know, i know hogwarts legacy is a big one that's like <laughs> not <laughs> anywhere which is like uh actually kind of crazy you know no matter where you stand on that game i, I feel like oh it probably be in like action adventure or something but it's not even in that so that's pretty crazy um but you know something like starfield i feel like you know um a lot of other games this year just did what it did but better and stuff or just like i mean it didn't help that it came out at the same it was sandwiched in between, Baldur's Gate and the Cyberpunk DLC, both of which mm-hmm. were, like, better RPGs than um, Starfield was, so that probably didn't help it at all either, so honestly, it just comes down to it being, like, it's like a 7 slash 8 out of 10 compared to, like, 10 out of 10s, you know, that that's yeah. kind of where it's like, stands. Again, the game's still good, I just think this year has just been, like, insane, so. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I can I can agree and sort of see where you're coming from as someone who did not play Starfield, you know, your, your points are definitely, uh, recognized in my if you will
1: <laughs> yeah i guess the only real downside my only real kind of bummer for game of the year is that like final fantasy 16 is in there like i mm-hmm. really like that game uh, Again, yeah, that game also has some issues like I, I also think that game is like really good but um you know, I feel like it has more standout issues than a lot of the games on Game of the Year to, like, not be there. Like, you know, the mm-hmm. either the combat being a bit too repetitive, the game not really having, like, any RPG elements at all and stuff like that. But, you know, I think the things that it does do right, it does really, really well. But, um, you know, sadly that, you know, you have to be all in this yes. year. Like, you have, you have to be all in for Game of the Year. So, I, I totally understand. I'm a little bummed out that it's not there, but I, I definitely understand. Um, but yeah, I guess we could start getting to some of the categories. Um, obviously you got things like game direction which I, I still never understand what i really even mean <laughs> but um you know then you have things like uh i i guess like we should go with more of the heavy hitters so, like things like narrative and stuff um you know like spider-man is there at boulders gate again i think this might just be a boulders skate <laughs> like sweet here uh, i really like 16 story like I, i'll probably, i think i voted for it. i don't know why it's not showing my votes anymore but yeah. um, i think i voted for 16 think, for this i think but... it might
0: be because you could actually vote every day or whatever oh that's fucking weird. like that yeah <laughs> okay. i don't know
1: <laughs> but yeah um, I mean I, I mean, you really only
0: have Spider-Man there <laughs> yeah I mean me you. personally I only have Spider-Man here and you know even though uh, you know Spider-Man Twitter is the number one hater for Spider-Man you know now they're sort of complaining about certain things about Spider-Man 2 or whatever and you know when it comes to this narrative and sort of this story of how they adapted the symbiote arc I think that what they had and what they did was good you know good enough or or even like spectacular in some regards you know I really like what they did by developing Peter and Harry's relationship and sort of how Craven the Hunter is implemented into the story and then eventually transitions into the whole Venom stuff. But you know, it, it definitely has its flaws, it definitely has its problems. But you know, will it win best narrative? I'm pr- probably fucking not. I mean, obviously both of us haven't been played Island Wake 2, but I feel like that game story is probably insane. Um, I don't really know much about Baldur Baldur's Gate 3 story, but uh I mean, honestly, I feel like any any one of these could win. Mm-hmm
1: yeah my, my vote's for 16 but it, it probably oh it goes to be cyberpunk i forget that's there as well um i have not played that yet because it's again been a really busy year <laughs> it's been a lot <laughs> of stuff but yep. it's definitely on the table i heard nothing but good things about a dlc so
0: yeah um i guess another category i will pick out here is best performance you know this is obviously a year of just like great games but also you got actors who played these characters and they sort of delivered uh that mark on there and you know you got a uh, Cameron M. I'm not going to try to pronounce that last name for uh, <laughs> Jedi Survivor. You got Ben Starr for Final Fantasy 16. Idris yep, Elba for Cyberpunk. Uh, Melanie L. for Alan Wake 2. Neil Newborn uh, for Baldur's Gate 3. And obviously, Yuri Lowenthal for Marvel Spider Man 2. Obviously, I'm a fucking. I, I also only played one of these games as well. So I could really only campaign for Yuri. But, you know, his performance as Peter Parker and sort of how he sort of took on that symbiote arc and how he treated it as like a addiction. Kind of thing and how it translated into the game was just phenomenal, fantastic. So, um, but you know, just like with the last category for best nerd, I feel like any one of these guys uh, or gal could take it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, all of these have been really good. Obviously, I didn't, I didn't play uh, uh, Star Wars Survivor yet, but you know, he was obviously great in um, fucking Fallen Order. Fall in Order. There you go. These fucking names. Fallen Order. Uh, I, I, Idris Alba, you know, he's just good in everything. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like he should win just because, like, you know, you're, you're into fucking you're in Hollywood. <laughs> you're, good. you're great, though. I love you. But I'm just saying. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I'm going to put it for it, for Ben Starr. Like, he, his performance as Clive was like, really, really good. Um, there was a lot of really good emotional moments in 16 that I think he killed it. Like, it was, like, super fucking good. Like, I absolutely loved his performance in that game. It, it was really good. Um, but Neil newborn he was asterion in Bodos gate uh, i love that guy he is a like sassy <laughs> vampire guy he's really good in that game as well uh and of course yuri you know he mm. killed it as well as peter parker like i think he did a such a good job with a symbiote and like sort of like sort of conveying that rage and raw emotion that comes from sort of that story arc of spider-man mm-hmm. um so yeah honestly again i wouldn't really be mad if any of these people win because they, they've all done a great job um, you know, I heard Saga from Alan Wake, too. She did a great job as well. But again, I haven't played that game, so I uh, can't really comment. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, another interesting one I do want to bring up is the Art Direction one, because it's a game that I hope wins a lot uh, for is in It's Hi-Fi Rush. That game yes. was really fucking good. And that came out at like the beginning of the year. And I feel like a lot of people... Are forgetting about it like mm-hmm. there's two games that i keep forgetting about is fire emblem engage and high fi rush because they both came out in like january um and both of the games were very good but i really hope high fi rush wins a lot of the categories in because you know I, I really feel like it's like between two games here being either mario brothers or or high fi rush for our direction because <laughs> they're just so expressive to me but yeah. um I, I really really hope it's high fi rush that game was such a Pleasure to look at and just play as well. Like, it, it was just so good, uh, so I really hope it wins um, art direction because I, I really think it deserves it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it literally looks like a sort of comic book come to life, and you're just playing it. You know, it, yeah, it, it, it always looks good whenever I see gameplay footage of it or whatever. And you know, it was definitely a surprise launch when it came out. You know, no one really expected it to come out when it did. I think it shadow dropped. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Yes, it, it did. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you know, it just shadow dropped, so you know, a lot of people weren't even, you know expecting it to come out of that. When it did come out, it was like, holy shit, like this game's like amazing or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I I hope that this game does win Best Art Direction. As much as I love how creative and how much sort of, uh, you know, colorful and different things that they did for Mario Wonder, I feel like Hi-Fi Rush, you know, definitely is one step above Mario Wonder.
1: Yeah. And I also hope it wins Best Action Game as well. Like, I I mean, the action game list has some good stuff in it, but I also hope it wins that too because it was also just a really good uh, character action game, so think of like you know dmc bayonetta it's basically in that same sort of like gameplay style um and have the unique thing with the whole rhythm mechanic as well and it makes for a really satisfying gameplay so hopefully it mm-hmm. also wins that because uh you know i'm rooting for it you know people are saying like oh microsoft doesn't really have a presence this year but it's funny how hi-fi rush is like in way more categories than mm-hmm. <laughs> <Story> <laughs> so yeah um yeah it just shows that you know yeah hi-fi rush was really fucking good
0: <laughs> so yeah uh is there any other categories you want to look at because honestly i don't i don't mind Jabbing at any of these, I don't have anyone in particular that I want to look at, but
1: uh, I must say, just kind of want to talk about two more. Uh, that's music. I, I really hope sixteen wins that. Holy shit! <laughs> like, if there's any category, I fucking hope sixteen wins in. It's this one. Jesus Christ! The music in that game is so fucking good. If Zelda wins this, I'll be a little upset. I mean, all <laughs> these games like Hyper Rush is <laughs> also like really good. Yeah. But damn, dude, Soken went insane for sixteen. but like, I love the soundtrack in Final Fantasy fourteen, and he composes the music for that game. And it's just so good. And he he fucking played his heart out. He 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 did so well. <laughs> I really, really hope he wins. I really hope 16 wins for uh best sound and uh, I guess best music. Because holy shit, it was really good. Um and I guess like the last thing I really want to mention is the best RPG thing, because you know, obviously Starfield mm-hmm. is like the only category it's in. But yeah. also people are upset that Octopath 2 wasn't in here, which I also forgot mm-hmm. came out this year. And yeah. I saw a lot of people saying how that game was like very good. I haven't been in it yet. I, I got, yeah. I have like a moment of weakness where I played like 20 hours of it. And then I don't know why I'm like, I feel like playing destiny Two And then I played like a hundred hours of destiny too. Like, I don't know why I did that. And then it was March. And then like a bunch of other shit was coming out. So I feel really bad about that. And I do want to go back into Octopath 2 Cause it was really good. Like I do think it is better than the first game. And I really mm-hmm. liked the first game a lot. And I heard it was just like, it was really good. Like people that played it like are really singing its praises. So, um, I, I feel like you could probably just take out Liza P and put in Octopath too. Uh, it, I think it deserves some slot somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that, that's really the only other thing I, I really had to mention about this. I think all the other categories are are pretty good. I mean, obviously, uh, the lack of, like, Pikmin 4 stuff is pretty Yes, know, it's only sad.
0: only in Best Family. But you know what? I fucking love Pikmin 4. Pikmin 4 mm-hmm, is I probably agree. my second favorite game of this year. Obviously, I'm a fucking Spider-Man fanboy. Um, but, you know, Pikmin 4 is such a polished and well-made game. But you know what? Because it's not Mario or Zelda, it's not going to be in as many categories as the other Nintendo games. But you know what? Pikmin 4, it is it is number one in my heart if you will in terms of best nintendo game for this year
1: it's like honestly a top five for me which is insane i did not think it would be a top five game for me but it is pikmin 4 was fucking great um (laughs) you know i went through my whole pikmin arc this year like i played every single one including (laughs) four so and i could definitely say it was my favorite one and one of the my favorite switch games like in general so um, i really hope this wins best family game and i hope Uh, Fire Emblem wins best uh, strategy games just so both of them can win because I think you know even though Fire Emblem Gage has a lot of issues I think in terms of like raw gameplay it's like the best Fire Emblem game I've played so far like like the story is like shit (laughs) but like in terms of like actual gameplay and stuff it's really good and the game also looks great too like I think the graphics look really good as well so um yeah hopefully those two get something uh especially Pikmin 4 I thought the game was really good but um yeah that's really all I have to say until like the thing actually happens so yeah
0: but uh, yeah, you know, uh, if you guys are looking forward to the Game Awards, it will be, excuse me, uh, streamed on December 7th, I believe, which uh, yeah. usually is our podcast day to record. We're but we'll, it. Yeah. we'll <laughs> figure it out. We'll figure yeah. it out. But um, yeah, so there is that to look forward to.
1: All right. Oh, yeah. I need to go. <laughs> 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 <Okay>. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So Suicide Squad killed the Justice League. So um, this game was delayed for like a fucking year because everyone hated it because it was a mm-hmm. live service game so now rocksteady are kind of doing these like i guess insider things where they're gonna like you know do deep dives into certain gameplay mechanics and stuff like that um and this one goes into the story and gameplay and honestly this is this kind of more of what we saw already like you know mm-hmm. the game has been delayed a year but it looks like they're still going full steam ahead with the live service stuff um you know, that's sort of like the biggest concern with this game is the life service element. Yeah. And um it still looks like they're doing it. You know, I, like you obviously can't change that stuff. That stuff is like mm-hmm. core to this game. So I think anyone hoping that, oh, just take out the live service stuff and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um I I, I I just don't, didn't see how that could happen, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, it's, it's not going to be as easy as just, like, plugging it in and plugging it out, you know? Like, this is something that was ingrained into the core of the game, and sort mm-hmm. of for them to, you know, delay it to be like, we're going to polish it. Alright, yeah. They're probably just trying to figure a way out to, you know, make the game as much of, like, an action game as possible, because, you know, we've seen, you know, the live service of the Avengers game, and that sort of, you know, went downhill very, very fast, and for Rocksteady, you know, to continue with this game and sort of be like, you know, we're going to continue with the sort of, uh, you know, DC universe, you know, we played through the, uh, Batman Arkham games, but now what if you play as the villains or whatever? And I'm like, all right, fine. You know what? I already knew what the, what that was going to be about. Show me something interesting. And throughout mm-hmm. this 20 minute video, I, I, I got like 10 minutes in and I just shut it off. I honestly was not really that interested in terms of like what they were talking about and like the story and everything like that. I was like, okay, yeah, like I get it. We're playing as the Suicide Squad. There's four of them in here. So you could play with three of your other friends if you really wanted to. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still very hesitant on picking this game up day one because I feel like once the reviews come out, it's either going to be okay. It's like mid or like, you know, good enough or it's going to be really, really bad.
1: I think, I mean, I, I think the game is gonna end up being like Avengers, where, um, like, I guess the main gameplay of it is fine because
0: mm-hmm.
1: everything I'm seeing here doesn't look like terrible. Yeah, it, just it doesn't look, very, look
0: bad. It just looks yeah. boring, right? Yeah, kind yeah, of it looks boring. It, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It looks boring and generic. That's where I was going with, like. You know, at least with Avengers, I feel like the game kind of took every superhero's, like, sort of moveset and kind of made sound, like, cool with it. Mm-hmm. This game is just, like, yeah, you have some movement abilities and stuff that's unique to each hero or villain, I guess. But it's mostly just, like, oh, you're shooting guns. I'm like, what, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, I think the funniest part of this video is it's, like, Captain Boomerang could use shotguns, like, SMGs and shit. I'm like, how about a fucking boomerang? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the thing he's named after. So, I don't know. I, I definitely feel like this game's, like, Direction is super misguided and it's just going to end up crashing and burning. Um, I don't know. They're sort of like pivoting away from like constant support. Like, I don't know if they're going to do like expansions or whatever, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I think all people really want is just like a good, like a good, you know, Suicide Squad game. I think yeah. if this was just like a straight up, just co op game where you could like play as a, each of the heroes, maybe it's like, like twenty ish hours long or something, or I don't mm-hmm. know. That's all people really want. I'd be like, I don't know anyone that actually wants to be like, yeah, I want to just keep playing this game for like a hundred billion hours. Like, I, I don't know why <laughs> that has to be a thing. Like yeah. some games just aren't built for that, and you know, I think the industry is starting to learn that people only have so much time for these live service games and, like, a lot of people just have dwindling interest in them at this point because people already have their live service games, you know? they yeah. just like Valorant, that's a live service game. League of Legends, that's a live service game. You know? MMOs are a live service Fortnite. game. Like, pe- <laughs> Fortnite is a live service game. So people already have the games, like, their main game. Like, people aren't gonna mm-hmm. be like, let's play the Suicide Squad game. So... But, yeah, I don't know. It, it just looks they pretty do, generic.
0: If they do, it, it will only be for, like, a month at yeah. most. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to hold people over, especially since because, you know, they are very much being like, hey, you know what? Like, this is like a story-driven narrative. You know, you can play it by yourself or you can play it with friends. And, you know, like, obviously, the story of, like, you have to kill the Suicide Squad is interesting enough. But the gameplay and sort of, like, how it looks, you know, it looks more of the same every single time I look at it and I don't know how well it's going to do post launch and I feel like a lot of people at Rocksteady kind of feel the same Um, but I hope that the game actually does find some footing and actually is successful because you know Gotham Knights I'm sure that was supposed to be a live service game Mm -hmm, and they they tried their best Best to make it, you know, the single player only thing, and it ended up being like a very mediocre game, but people still bought it because you know it wasn't filtered with all of that live service stuff. So maybe people will actually play it because it actually does integrate that live service stuff well. Who knows? But you know, if you want to learn more about you know, just like the devs and sort of everything like that, you can watch this 20 minute video, which honestly I feel like they should have just dumbed it down to like maybe five ten minutes at yeah. most, because 20 minutes is kind of Long, especially for a game that has been delayed multiple times. You know, we talk about games getting delayed, you know, all the time on this podcast. But, you know, when you delay a game this many times, it feels like you're just losing momentum and losing steam and you're losing the audience and sort of the hype that you had from when you first revealed it to now is like not even half, I would say. Yeah. It just.
1: Yeah, I I think it's just not going to do very well, like, both (laughs) sales-wise and, like, whatever. Like, I'm sure it's going to do okay at first, but if they want to keep it as a live service game, then I i just don't see it like lasting more than like i see it lasting as long as Avengers lasted that's, that's yeah the generous offer i could bring it the only mm-hmm. really good thing i could say about it is it looks really nice <laughs> like graphically yeah. it looks good uh but besides that it's it's just whatever <laughs> yeah. i feel like don't that's, that's, oh yeah
0: go on. don't be surprised if the game's not doing well within six months that it ends up on game pass and or playstation plus yeah because that <laughs> will happen to boost up the numbers
1: yeah they're definitely gonna do like something like that just to be like oh we have a new expansion coming out let's uh put on game pass and shit and so people yeah you play it <laughs> but yeah um you know I-, I hope one day we get like a suicide squad game that's actually like you know something we deserve just like you know i don't know make it like the guardians game or something i don't know yeah. but you got to switch between everyone but um yeah kind of just disappointing uh most of people that have like really like the rocksteady batman games so yeah
0: yeah, but I'm I'm still hoping that it does well, but, you know, just oh, watching watching yeah. those cutscenes just, like, drag out for, like, minutes on end, I was like, I'm fucking bored, I'm sorry. Like, I don't care. Yeah. But, uh, let's talk about The Last of Us Part 2 Remastered being official. So, the way this story broke out was very funny, because it got leaked, and then PlayStation Hand was kind of forced to reveal it. Because everything got leaked. Literally, the assets, the trailer, literally everything got leaked. And then they're like, I fuck it. I guess we'll just uh, post this PlayStation PlayStation block thing now and just show the world officially that The Last of Us Part Two remastered is happening. So it will come out January 19, 2024. The best part about this is because it is a remaster, uh, you can pay $10 for a upgrade if you own it on the PlayStation 4. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest thing that this remaster is offering is no return. It's a new roguelike mode. Uh, and just taking a quote from the PlayStation blog post, it is a roguelike survival mode designed to let players to prove their m- metal in... Uh, in randomized encounters and experience The Last of Us Part Two's combat in a fresh experience. So, yeah, I mean people are you know sort of taking the uh, screenshots and being like does it actually look that different it, it honestly fucking doesn't um so for them to you know label it as a remaster to you know bring it onto pc you know six months from now or maybe a year from now you know what fine you know i can see why they're doing it do i like that they're doing it hell no i hate that naughty dog has become this sort of last of us studio and they haven't really produced anything brand new since the last of us part two and even then anything like brand new ip wise or you know anything like that you you know, because they have been really doing the Last of Us and Uncharted for like the past decade, I would say, which is yeah. kind of sad. I wish that they, you know, did did some other stuff because you know, obviously, the Last of Us was like the last big thing that they did for the PlayStation Three, and the fact that it is still going on to this day with only two really main games within its franchise is kind of weird. But you know, we have so many remasters and remakes of these games now. It's like, okay, yeah, like if you haven't played the Last of Us two at this point get this remaster and better yet buy on the, the PlayStation 4 now I think it's like $20 because of the yep. Black Friday sales and then pot, and then buy that $10 upgrade I think this might be the first time I'm going to use this sort of like upgrade system for my games just because you know I'm, I'm such like a fucking physical collector but I can't see myself shelling out $70 for The Last of Us Part 2 again I might do it if the money's right but you know I'm not like the biggest Last of Us 2 fan you know if you watch my video on it which I won't you know bore you with like the 36 minutes that I talked about it but you know <laughs> I liked what they did with the gameplay. The story is a little muddled in terms of, like, what they did uh, in terms of, like, splitting the story up, but I think that the gameplay is, like, perfect. And technological-wise and everything like that, like, it is just... It is it is literally just, like, phenomenal in terms of, like, what Naughty Dog was able to do on the PS4 hardware, and, you know, I hope that when it does arrive, this remaster, that it actually does look significantly better than the PlayStation 4 version.
1: Yeah, I guess... Um... I guess I'm mostly hoping for like I guess just performance like enhancements. Mm -hmm. I guess like I guess graphically like can't really do much because the game already looked like really good for the PS4 game because you Mm -hmm. know it was like one of the last PS4 games to come out. So um, hopefully this remaster could just make it like maybe a steady sixty or something. I don't even know how the performance was wise uh, how it was in PS4. Like I don't know if it was thirty. I guess it was thirty. I believe Um, it was thirty. Yes. Yeah. So I guess if the maybe to try aim for a sixty frame rate now that would be pretty cool. Um, I, I, I like that they are adding like actual content. I think that's pretty cool. Most remasters don't really do that. So them adding like cut levels, like that's pretty cool. Even though they're like I, I don't think they like finish or anything. I think it's just, like you could like play them, I guess. Yeah. And that roguelite mode, that's pretty cool. Mostly considering that the combat, like you said, is like a, a, you know a lot more improved from the first game. Um, mm-hmm. So that's cool, you know. I think those are cool additions to the game, and that's probably worth like a ten dollars DLC upgrade. I, at this point, it's basically just DLC. Um, <laughs> I, I also agree with people that like, is it worth seventy dollars? Fuck no. <laughs> um, I think I might, I might have Last Fest 2 Apparently, I bought it uh, at some point, but yeah, <laughs> and I don't know when I got it. But I have it. Uh, I checked yesterday. Um, but yeah, right now on Black Friday, you can buy that shit for twenty. Just buy the upgrade for thirty, and they uh, or for uh, ten dollars, and then there you go. It's like a thirty dollars thing. So um, that's probably the way to do it. Uh, I'm happy to announce. It now while Black Friday stuff is happening, so that's mm-hmm. nice. Um, and again, is it necessary? No, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> uh, I, I saw it coming though, like everyone saw it. Coming. I mean, one, it was leaked, and two, I'm like, they yeah. probably would like do this eventually. I mean, today with Last of Us, uh, one, um, yeah, from PS3 to four, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, PS3 to four, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it, it makes <laughs> sense. But like you said, it's kind of weird how a franchise with like two games or five games only have like two actual games, and three of them are like remastered remakes. Um, and it kind of shows how I don't know. I guess Naughty Dog is starting to fall out of favor with like I guess the general gaming audience. Like they used to be like they could do no wrong. Yeah, but they're I feel the
0: like, goats. Oh my yeah. god!
1: <laughs> like, and, but when as soon as Last of Us Two came out, like people are just like sick of them now. Like I feel like yeah. Sunday, I is starting to take that crown now, being like people like <laughs> pretty much just loving them. Like, hey, I've been waiting for this arc for a while, so that's great. <laughs> um, and you know, yeah, I, I, most of you guys, I think Naughty Dog does feel. Like they're getting a bit stagnant and stuff and I always feel like they have to prove that they're like the best but at this point it just feels like they're not really moving very much and I, I think a new IP would really help them out like I think if they um, I, I don't know if they're doing Last of Us Part 3 right now but I really hope they're not like I really hope they're just getting <laughs> ready for a new IP show that out make it different because, you know, Last, Last of Us and Uncharted are both very set-piece heavy games. Like, you know, yeah. you move, you do your third-person shooting, you do, like, a big set-piece moment, and then you, like, keep moving. And I don't mind that. Like, I don't mind that gameplay style. But, you know, hopefully to do something completely different, like, even, like... Like you know, things like Jack and Dax at this point were like vastly different from what they made. Even when it became like a open world GTA style thing, that's like way different from like what we got (laughs) with uh, what they're doing right now. So, yeah, um, hopefully they could do a new IP and like just like just a whole new gameplay style they haven't messed with. But yeah, Naughty Dog has been pretty stagnant, and this is (laughs) really helping their case. (laughs)
0: yeah i have I have a crazy ass theory that i just cooked up okay so yeah. they're working on the last of us part three right now okay yeah and they are trying their best to potentially release the game and the hbo series maybe simultaneously maybe yeah maybe within like a year from each other or something like that that's my theory right now that they're gonna do the last of us because like this is like fucking money that yeah. they're just sitting on right so like obviously the HBO show really ignited like a lot of people to get into The the Last of Us and sort of get into this franchise so you know for them to just end it off here it's like you know the ending was kind of open ended to a certain extent you know we could, we could add on to The Last of Us Part 3 if we really wanted to and then we could adapt that into the show again and you know just keep it going and I think that if they were to do A Last of Us Part 3 and if they are working on it right now I hope that that is the last one because You know, when The Last of Us came on, this scene in, like, 2013 or whatever, this was, like, you know, the GOAT. Like, this was, like, mm-hmm. the best cinematic story-driven game ever on consoles. I was, like, okay, yeah, like, this game, it's still, like, one of my favorites of all time, where it's, like, it it combines story and gameplay so seamlessly, seamlessly and so well. And with part two, you know, the gameplay's still good. The story's a little muddled. It's not dog shit, like how some people say it is. Yeah. But I still think that there were some good elements in there to Neil Druckmann's sort of story about, like, this story is about hatred, And now we have part three, potentially. Now I don't know where the fuck they're going to go with it, but I hope that that would be the last one. Uh, And if I'm wrong and they're working on something new, more kudos to them because, you know, like you said, Naughty Dog, they got five games in this series and more than half of them are are remasters or remakes or whatever. So, you know, uh, but with this remaster, I hope that this is the last we see of uh, a remaster remake for the series.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm interested to play it because you know I, I like playing controversial games in series and seeing what I think. Mm-hmm. And um, I you know January should be a good time to really, like jump into it um and play it. So I'm interested to play it <laughs> next year. Let everyone know my thoughts about it, and um, yeah, we'll see where that goes because I'm very interested in playing it at this point. So yeah,
0: because yeah, I'm I'm 100 going to replay it then with you just so we yeah. can talk about it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So we could open up that can of worms again. So. <laughs> But yeah, so anyways, onto some more news. Uh, the KOTAR remake, so Star Wars KOTAR remake, is dead, apparently, uh, but we have conflicting reports, because we also got ones that saying it's not dead, so the first <laughs> one is from Giant Bomb, uh, Jeff Grubb, being like, he, he talked to the people, or I, I don't know if he talked to the people working in charge, but he someone said that the studio is just straight up not working on the game right now. Uh, they didn't say it was like necessarily like canceled. They just say like, no one, no one's actively like working on it at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, also oh, they like sort of move a uh, production, uh, studio. So it was aspire media at first, and then shifted to saber interactive in August of 2022. Uh, and keep in mind, this was announced in 2021, which I totally forgot about. So, yep. um, so yeah, so it was shifted hands, but then Jason Schreider, has said, let the tweet open here. <laughs> said basically being like, he, he can't say whether it would actually come out, but he apparently people at Sabre Interactive say uh, they're still actively working on it. But uh, again, you know, kind of take that with a grain of salt because I feel like any company is going to tell you, yes, they are working on it because you don't want like <laughs> stocks to go down or whatever. So yeah. um, right now it's really muddled, but for sure we know that this game is in deep shit <laughs> like we know this game is in big trouble and yeah i wouldn't have high hopes of it ever coming out like jason strider said like i, I think it's I, I think it's kind of gonna be like lost in the sauce <laughs> at this point
0: yeah it is super unfortunate that they even announced this to begin with with them not even having anything done at that point yeah. it was just mm-hmm. like hey guys we're working on it And then they had the studio who had only, like, remade or remastered, like, old Star Wars games and put them on, like, Switch or, like, current consoles or whatever. And it's, like, you want these guys to do a whole remake? That is kind of, like, a tall task for them to do because they would have to rebuild the whole game from the ground up. And they're not really that experienced at it. So it's, like... You want this product to live up to people's expectations, which are already pretty high as is. And now it's like, what is happening here? It's jumping different studios and sort of going to different hands or whatever. So what do I think is going to happen? I mean, if this game ever comes out, it'll be a fucking miracle. I'll buy Mm -hmm. it, whatever. If it comes (laughs) out, but it actually comes out and it's good, I will buy it cuz it's like okay yeah like this like the miracle child within the gaming industry like <laughs> right. no like everyone's saying that this shit's dead but if it actually makes it to the finish line then it's like okay yeah and it actually ends up being, like, a, a a playable product that people are like, yeah, this is, like, a worthy remake of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. And you should play this one and not the original Xbox one, which is crazy because it's, like, you know, that is such, like, a cult classic game. And when you look on eBay, like, this game is still, like, around 10 to $20. Like, it's still, like, a pretty cheap game that you could buy and play, I'm pretty sure, on, like, your current Xbox consoles, which is, like, you know, kind of nice. But obviously people want it to be, you know, updated with, like, enhanced stuff, you know. just graphics but also gameplay wise because you know uh rpgs and things like that have advanced so so far ever since that game came out so you know Mm -hmm. um jason strider you know i do trust uh his his reporting because obviously the credibility of a journalist is uh, is of the utmost importance as a uh, journalist major myself or should i say graduate (laughs) um but yeah you know hopefully that we see something from this game sooner rather than later Uh, and uh if it gets canceled it gets canceled
1: Yeah, very unfortunate, because I I was actually really looking forward to this, because I really Mm -hmm. like the Old Republic sort of, like, I guess, like, lore or whatever with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Like, I really like the MMOs, like, sort of, like, setting and stuff. And I always wanted to play KOTOR, but um, the game is so fucking old at this point. And I feel like probably one of the worst genres to go back to uh, is probably, like, that mid-2000s Western RPG stuff, because, like, so many Mm -hmm. systems feel so outdated and, like, kind of just bad to play. So I was really hoping this would get remade. But hopefully... It happens at some point in my life, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we will yeah.
0: see. We might be fucking in armchairs and shit, rocking <laughs> back and forth. <laughs> yep. And the game actually comes <laughs> up. But moving on from there, we got Sonic Dream Team. They released a animated intro uh, to sort of, you know, I guess advertise the game that, hey guys, the game's still coming out. It's going to come out on December 5th, exclusively on Apple Arcade. We talked about it last time about how, you know, this is going to be on Apple Arcade, the goods and bads about it, but, you know, this anime intro, you know, it has me very, very excited for it. I believe uh, Tyson Hess actually did the drawings for this. He might have animated it as well. I'm not entirely sure. But, um, you know, it's always nice to see his work uh, within the Sonic, uh, I guess, like, games and whatnot so you know i'm excited to see what this game is actually going to be about because you know we do get a small idea of what the game's doing here you know obviously it's dream team so you know they're able to do a bunch of wacky things with the sort of dream scenario and obviously we get to see sonic's friends and his cast of characters so yeah it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun uh just judging by this one animated intro
1: i'm just like surprised how much effort they're putting into this game like i feel like <laughs> they didn't have to yeah and i feel like people have been like wouldn't give a shit if they didn't uh, cause mm-hmm. you know it's like a it's like a phone game, but like the fact that they're putting this much effort, like I feel like only like the bigger Sonic projects get intros like this um mm-hmm. so the fact that this one's getting it, they've been hyping it up so much, I'm like, bro, is this game I'll be like really good <laughs> like I don't know <laughs> um again, like if it's good i'll I will i will consider subscribing to Apple Arcade for like a month <laughs> yeah. and then play it, but um. I guess we'll see. Again, it's very unfortunate for people that don't have iPhones and stuff uh, mm-hmm. as that game is just is just inaccessible. But apparently um, there was a report earlier saying that like, this game would never come to anything ever. Apparently that was a lie because apparently that that sort of like never ever thing was for other uh, phone devices. Like that's sort mm-hmm. of Apple's contract. Like you can't port it to like Android or whatever, which makes sense. Yeah. But it doesn't exclude it being, ex- uh, you know, uh, imp- uh, fucking ported. To um, other consoles or whatever, as that's not even like a president, like half Genie Hero, like Shantae, half Genie Hero, and exit the gungeon were both uh, apple arcade games and they both came to steam so um there's a good chance this could also be like on consoles and steam so uh just keep an eye on that it might take like a year or, or like half a year for it to yeah. happen but it probably will happen at some point so yeah mm-hmm.
0: whatever contract that uh, sega signed with apple to be like okay yeah it's gonna be on this sort of you know apple arcade thing forever x amount of time And like you said six months to a year is normally what these sort of like timed exclusive things are so you know if, if this is the best sonic game this year i'm gonna be fucking surprised and also kind (laughs) of disappointed uh but you know i'm i'm very much looking forward to it uh hopefully my phone will be able to handle it because i do have a decently new iphone it's not the newest one but you know uh it should be should be fun that's all that's all i'm asking for from this game is for it to actually be fun Mm -hmm. i agree hopefully it's good (laughs) because
1: i mean (laughs) it's competition isn't like that crazy with in terms of sonic stuff (laughs) anyway so next we got some cyberpunk stuff. So Cyberpunk 2077 Ultimate Edition has been announced. Um, so I believe this has both uh, the base game and Phantom Liberty in it yep. as well. So that is a cool sort pack so like, kind of package. Sort of also is like kinda like the the next gen version of the games as well. Like it's like mm-hmm. you know, so like, like yeah. you know you could buy with the case and shit. So that's cool. But the Xbox version will have uh, Fan Liberty on a disc, while the PS5 will be a code due to technical requirements specific to each platform. So that's weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I know a lot of people are always, like, going to, like, hate that. Like, I'm sure, like, you aren't a fan
0: of that. Oh, yeah. I'm about to go yeah. off, but you go
1: on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I, I agree. I think it's dumb because it's just, like, if you're going to buy it physically, you kind of want everything on one disc anyway it's kind of like what they did mm-hmm. with the spyro reignited trilogy on switch i believe where only the first game was in the cartridge and like the rest you had to download and at that point yeah. it's like you might as well just get it digitally right like you're just like mm-hmm. what's the fucking point so yeah i, I do agree that this is kind of dumb but it does seem like like I, I don't know why they would lie about this because they they did it for the xbox version but the ps5 is on a code so like i feel like it really was like some weird shit that happened but yeah. I don't know. either way it's still unfortunate <laughs>
0: Yeah, i read some stuff uh, online, on Twitter, exactly. You know, once again, Twitter, Twitter, my (laughs) best fucking friend. Um, But apparently, so the reason why the PS5 version is going to be on a code is because of the builds of the game. So the way that the DLC loads and stuff like that, like they couldn't just like redo the whole build of the PlayStation 5 version to make it so it's all on one disc. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Xbox version is on two discs to begin with. So... For that to, for them to just be like, oh well, just put the Phantom Liberty thing on a separate disc for the PlayStation Five as well. I'm pretty sure they couldn't do that as well. So you know, there's obviously like technical limitations here that at play, and you know, it is fucking dumb because I really did want to buy this version of it. I probably still will because you know this is the only disc version of Cyberpunk twenty seven seventy seven on the PlayStation Five. Otherwise, I would have to like spend forty dollars for the the PS four version and then get the upgrade on the PlayStation Five and then also have to patch it as well. So you know. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) the disc has all of the updates i believe it it would be really stupid if it didn't have all of the you know patches and the updates that they've been doing uh for the game for years now but yeah i mean you know it is going to be 60 dollars. so you know what it comes with the base game and also the dlc which is nice um but you know for the dlc to be on a for it to be on a code is fucking dumb you know i hate i hate when like you do like a collection or like a edition of the game and it comes with a fucking code because eventually the code's gonna expire and when the code expires it makes that edition of the game worthless so The, the number one thing that i will always bring up is the slide collection on the ps vita if you buy it today you buy it brand new sealed it doesn't fucking matter you only get slide one and two on the cartridge slide three was a goddamn code and the the expiration date was so small i don't know why they couldn't like ex- it extend it to like the end of time or whatever but <laughs> for some reason it expired within like a year or two after the game came out or something like that but yeah I hope that this code will run for a while because I'm sure that that this is going to be like a pretty big seller for people just because like, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 has sort of fixed itself for the most Mm -hmm. part. And the fact that it also comes with the Phantom Liberty DLC all in one package for $60, that's pretty appealing. And the fact that it is also going to be coming out, I believe later this year. Yeah, later this year on December 5th, you know, just like a few weeks or so. So you know what? People are going to be able to actually buy this and play it very very fast um, but yeah I just hate that it's on a fucking code because it just it just makes it so later on down the road when you're trying to like preserve it if you will the only physical version of the game that's going to have the Phantom Liberty is Xbox mm-hmm.
1: yeah I mean I, I agree I think it's really dumb when games do that I, I, I've i seen some codes but they do last like for like 2040 or some shit yeah. like, I don't know why, <laughs> why they can't do that for everything Um, but yeah I do agree it's dumb but I am happy more people are able to play this game because I, I do think Cyberpunk was always like a good game it just had mm-hmm. so many fucking issues like I, like it, it was like a 9 in my heart but it was basically like almost a 7 because of how fucking broken it was <laughs> even on PC but now yeah. I, I'm happy people are able to like really fully experience like how good the game is because I, I love the game like you know I had like 70 hours in it when it first came out and um, you know I, I definitely want to make a new character and just play through the DLC and all the enhanced additions they did to fix up the game like they fix all the RPG elements and like some of the guns and gear and shit so they did a lot to really improve the game like the overall experience so uh, i'm excited to like jump into it and um i think it's a game that's worth the time like i, I definitely think that cd project i really turned it around and um made a great game <laughs> so that's good <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah all right so next bit of news we got here is something interesting so yeah. the simpsons hit and run uh apparently excuse me uh the developers of that game you know it's been years since that game has come out the yep The game came out in like 2003 and now Mm -hmm. some of the devs went on MinMax, which was sort of like a, a podcast where the founder... Uh, where can I fucking find his name that I wrote it in this article? Uh, but he, he pretty much sat down with the with the devs and he was able to talk to them and sort of give them like a pretty much like a oral history of the game, but also reveal some things that you know, people may not have known. As so, for example, that there was going to be multiple sequels for Simpsons Hit and Run, uh, but the problem was the publisher just didn't sign the license for it. Like they were just like, "No, we're not going to sign the license for it," despite Simpsons Hit and Run being a success. Uh, and the devs started to work on Simpsons Hit and Run 2 very slowly. They weren't, like, that far into development. They sort of had, like, a outline of, like, what they wanted to do and, like, a bunch of different ideas. But nothing was, like, playable, if you will. So it is kind of crazy how, like, literally... The publisher just said, "Now nah, we're not going to do it. And then these five potential sequels were just dusted. Like nothing was going to be able to come from it because they lost the license. And then EA scooped it up. And then that's when Simpsons, the game, came out, I believe, in like 2007 or whatever. So, yeah, yeah it, is, it is very, very weird and very interesting. Whoever the higher-ups were at Vivi, Vivendi. Uh, I think you know, Vivendi, were, yeah. Yeah, whoever they were that that they were just like all right yeah you know what this shit like sold well we're just gonna not gonna make any more simpsons games because hit and run you know nowadays i used to have a copy of it uh it still goes for like 40 dollars on ebay for like the ps2 which is like yeah kind of crazy because you know that is like a sort of you know it's pretty much just like simpsons with gta Mm. that's it Mm -hmm. (laughs) so
1: yeah dude this is like i have so much nostalgia for hit and run like it's like Besides Ratchet and Clank, it's probably, like, my second, like, actual game i played, <laughs> which is really weird to say. But I do have, like, a lot of great memories with it, like, playing with my cousin and just playing with my brother and shit. Like, we would, like, swap because the game was hard as shit for no reason. <laughs> like, the time limits are so tight. And that this game made me hate time limits. That's why I hate them in, like, any other game. I'm like, it's all because <laughs> of this game. But I love it. Hand Runner is a great game. Like, it does a great job, like... Capturing just like the sim sim spirit and shit, it was a really fun GTA clone. Because as a kid, I, I was never allowed to play GTA. That was like my only restriction in gaming. I was not allowed to play GTA, but <laughs> I had workarounds. I had this destroy humans and Jack too. I'm like, that's good enough for me. So, um, and yeah, Hit and Run was a great game, and I always thought it was weird how there was never a sequel to it. And hearing about this, I'm like, yeah, that's that's such a weird missed opportunity because it's not <laughs> like Hidden Run didn't sell well. Like it sold very yeah. well and it was like really mm-hmm. successful. Um, like people, obviously people still talk about really like, like great today. Like people want remakes of it and everything. So, um, that's probably why this started coming up because I know like a remake of this game is like, everyone wants it. Like it's like the destroy humans remakes. I like do something like that with, uh, the symptoms and run. Um, so yeah, I I would like to see that one day if they do either do like a sequel or like a remake, I would love that. But being robbed of a sequel from my my youth, I'm like damn, that's yeah. sad. <laughs> I, I I would have loved the sequel, but um yeah, here man is a is a it quite is it's a gem as they say. It is a really yeah. fun game, and um it's sad that we never got another one. But uh, hopefully this will reignite the sparks for another one. But I guess we'll see. I mean, it's not like Simpsons is like super popular right now, but I guess we'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean like also another crazy thing about. The deal that they were offered, like they were given five games, obviously, but the deal was much less than what the first game hit and run was for. So they were like, yeah, you know what? Here's here's, you know, just this is how much you're going to give us to get the license for five games. Less than Hit and Run. And then they're like, nah, we're not going to do it. And then, you know, it went to EA, which I believe EA still has the uh, Simpsons yeah, license. Do. So yeah. if they were to do anything with it and if they wanted to do a, a Hit and Run sort of re- remake, remaster, whatever, uh, they would be the only ones to do it. But yeah, it is just, it's just so crazy that, like, you know, what could have been, especially since because everyone just initially thought within the dev team that yeah you know what this is gonna happen like this would be like a fucking no-brainer like money decision and then it was just like nah we're not gonna do it
1: yeah it's just so it's just so weird but i guess you know I really don't even see this happening anymore because EA just like turns out like Simpsons like mobile games because they're just easier (laughs) Um, and you know it's next yeah hit or run and the Simpsons game from like 2007 like both of those are like really good and I I enjoy them a lot and I think the IP has room for like a lot of cool creative like gameplay stuff in it as well just because the world of Simpsons is fucking weird and uh, (laughs) you know obviously I I haven't caught up with Simpsons since I was like a child but you know I still like the IP a lot so if you want to do more with it I'll be down with that but I highly doubt it since EA is more interested in Making like the, the mobile cash grabs that the series like, <laughs> turned into for in terms of gaming stuff. So, unfortunate, yeah. but yeah, that's just how it is. So, uh, next we got some Netflix stuff. So, first is the long awaited Avatar The Last Airbender Netflix teaser. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it looks good. I mean, it's not really <laughs> like. You know, it, it's kind of, like, what you expect from a live-action Avatar to look like. And yeah. I guess it, it's not blowing me away because, it's like, it kind of just looks like the M. Night Shyamalan thing, but, like, a little better, I guess. Like, you know, it, just, it doesn't, like, the gra- like the graphics. The visuals and stuff look good. <laughs> um, you know, like, Aang and all the other characters, like, they look pretty accurate to the source material and stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know if it was, like, a weird thing with Sokka or something. I, I forget. Yeah,
0: but. <laughs> He might be white. I don't know. I have no yeah. idea what that was going I, on with that, but
1: i don't know what's going on but i think the casting looks pretty good like all the characters look pretty accurate to how they look uh in the show uh the cg looks good like on appa looks good on uh momo you know but um you know i I guess it kind of and it it doesn't like it's going to go for like more i don't know if like a darker tone but definitely a more grounded tone from the show Mm -hmm. um and we'll see how that plays out for it you know the M9 shamlon stuff was like really bad (laughs) so i know that's like kind of like a a big ass wrinkle uh for this like sort of zapping my excitement for it because yeah. you know um i think we could both agree like avatar the last ember is like fucking amazing like the, the cartoon yeah. anyway so um and i don't really know like maybe this is a better way to get general audiences to watch it more
0: mm-hmm. but
1: um I, i'll probably still watch it just for like the fun of it but uh I, I feel like there's gonna be a point where i'm like i'm just gonna watch the animated version <laughs> <laughs> so but we'll see we'll see
0: yeah Avatar The Last Airbender is one of the goats within Western animation, and it really had yeah. a huge resurgence over the pandemic where people yep. were on Netflix and just re-watching it or watching it for the very first time because there's a lot of people out there that have never seen it. And it is so good for a children's cartoon, if you will. Yeah. And this trailer, you know, for the live-action version of it, it doesn't look that bad. You know, it very much looks like what you, I guess, would want from a live-action version of of avatar but you know my main concern is just like how the performance are performances are and sort of how those emotional beats and those those moments within the story hit because obviously like within the show you know there's obviously like a lot of goofy and funny moments but you know those those moments where like you know ang loses or you know something happens within like the main core of the cast where it's like super serious and super like intense if you will um how will those moments sort of translate on screen and sort of into live action because i think that's that's a lot of people's concern and i hope that you know they don't skip over stuff and they don't sort of you know tldr certain things just because they have to i hope that they're able to flesh everything out as best they can you know it doesn't have to be a a exact one-for-one adaptation but i hope that they don't they don't necessarily you know see see something that a lot of people like and just like gloss over it if you will
1: yeah, if they are going to go for, like, a straight, like, more faithful remake than yet, it probably shouldn't, like, gloss over anything, which it looks like this is what it is. Like, I don't think they're going to, like, do anything weird about it, but, um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, hopefully they don't, like, because I know the movie basically, like, skipped so much shit, like, they, <laughs> they skipped a lot of stuff uh, for, like, no real reason, so yeah. uh, hopefully this doesn't do that either. I mean, there's, like, um there's some stuff you could skip but yeah. like oh, some of the filler stuff like i know like yeah, the they- first season <laughs> the first season of avatar is a bit more fillery than like the rest of the seasons like the li- the later seasons a lot more focused and stuff so mm-hmm. yeah there's some stuff you could take out here and there if they want to just keep the story at a good pace but um you know hopefully they don't take away any actual important shit or maybe hopefully they add like more cool shit i don't know maybe they explore yeah. more of the lore of avatar and shit like that that'd be kind of cool but um you know th- this was probably the newest project i was the least interested in of the stuff they announced like i'm more interested in like the um sort of like sequel movies they're doing or the the, the new Earthbender thing they're doing as well like that stuff mm-hmm. piques my interest a lot more than this but um yeah. you know I- i'll still give it a shot like I- i'll probably still watch it because why not it'll either be funny or it'll be actually good i guess we'll see
0: <laughs> yeah uh, speaking of Netflix we got the Yu Yu Hakusho live action adaptation got a official teaser so as a person who is a incredible high stand of the Yu Yu Hakusho sort of anime this is like literally the goat of shonen like if you love anime and you love shonen anime and you haven't seen this yet fucking Watch it because it does everything so well from its MC with Yusuke to the tournament arc to the other cast of characters to the animation, the fights literally everything that you would want from a shonen anime. It's so good here. Uh, now with this live action adaptation, uh, I'm actually kind of sold on the main actor who's playing Yusuke. You know, Yusuke very much has like this I don't give a fuck attitude, but he does still do the right thing. Um, you know, this this actor really he does, I guess, like capture that and with the rest of the cast i don't know that, that's where i'm like a little iffy on i'm not exactly 100 percent convinced on them uh, just yet and obviously with like live action adaptations with the anime you know obviously one piece is like the one i guess outlier if you will <laughs> where like yep. that was actually like pretty good because the original creator had like a huge hands-on with it but I, I i have no idea what's going on with the yu yu hakusho adaptation you know some of this stuff does look a little goofy uh like uh when you see a fucking what's his name goddamn one of the villains or whatever he just looks so fucking stupid i was just like what is this he's supposed to be like a big buff guy which you know would look goofy in live action but you know oh Togoro. uh he's supposed to be like uh supposed to be that but you know he's just like some dude within a suit and i'm just like who's this weird guy on his shoulder i forget their name but
1: oh yeah i don't know what was going on yeah i was just like
0: okay yeah so um, you know hopefully hopefully it uh lands on its feet i'm not expecting one piece live action adaptation kind of levels but I I just hope that it's something watchable at least.
1: Yeah, so I, I don't really know anything about Yu Hakusho besides you know the main guy and like his spare gun thing. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. he did a thing at the end. That's the only, thing. yep. Those are the only two <laughs> things I know. So, um, I mean, if I'm gonna watch it, it's not gonna be this. It's gonna be the actual show. <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of cool that it's like you know Japanese, I guess,
0: <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> so I believe I, so. Yeah, so um, that's cool. But yeah, besides that, I don't know too much about it. Besides, yeah, I, I know it exists, <laughs> the show. <laughs> I, I really should watch it, though. I, I, I've i been meaning to. I just, I've just i been so behind on like current animes that I haven't had time to, like, except fucking invent a Girlfriend. <laughs> but, Stop. <laughs> hey, honestly, it's a pretty good season. I, I need to finish it. But yeah, either way, um, yeah, ho- hopefully it's good. But again, at that point, just kind of watch the original at that point. But whatever. yeah. <laughs> Alright, so next we got a bunch of MCU, like a lot of MCU stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we got the new MCU schedule, so since the uh, actor and writer strikes are over, uh, I guess people could start doing stuff again. So right now we have Deadpool 3 for July 26th, 2024, uh, Captain America 4 for February 14th, 2025, Fantastic Four for May 2nd, 2025 thunderbolt uh july 25th uh 2025 and blade for november 7th 2025 which i I don't even know if that's gonna happen (laughs) because that movie's so cursed (laughs) right now but uh yeah, it looks like they have the whole pipeline set. Uh, we've been hearing a lot more stuff about um, especially Fantastic Four has been getting a lot more like rumors and stuff about what's gonna be happening. But um, you know, pretty cool. Uh, you know, that's kind of a solid setup right there. You know, I know people are very excited to see what the Fantastic Four, like who's gonna be the like, who's gonna be them <laughs> and like, how that's gonna turn out. Uh yeah. Depot 3, I'm pretty excited for just because of like, you know, the wackiness that can see and stuff. Um, you know, and then you have things like Captain America for and Thunderbolts that are probably gonna tie in more to like the MCU people that we around know and stuff so and then blade as well which i'm gonna hold off on because again that production seems very cursed at the moment so i guess we'll see
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i think a lot of people are excited for the fact that you know all of or most of 2025 uh or 2024 i should say we're not going to get an mcu project until late july you know and i think that that is like a very much needed sort of change of pace for the mcu you know uh We'll talk about the Marvels later, but, you know, uh, just like with the state of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies and everything like that, people are very much as tired of it. And I think a break like this is needed. Uh, I know Captain America 4 is going through reshoots because of the current overseas conflict that's going on. And apparently it ties into that movie. Mm-hmm. So they're probably going to change <laughs> some stuff about it. Yeah. So, you know, just to make sure that it's all, uh, you know, nice and dandy. Uh, but yeah, you know, hopefully, uh, once we get back into the swing of things with the MCU stuff with this schedule in particular, I'm sure cert- certain, movies are going to get pushed around once again, just because nothing can ever 100% be set in stone. But yeah, Deadpool three, uh, is going to be the first new MCU movie that we're going to see from now up until July 26, 2024.
1: Yeah. And I think, like you said, I think having like a, kind of like a big break, is great (laughs) for the MCU at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, I think people really have to just like, uh, they just ease off and just be like, okay, like there's not a new Marvel thing coming out. (laughs) Everyone can relax. Like people could kind of get resetted about the Marvel stuff. Um, and I I think that's good. And I think Disney kind of realized that as well. Like, I think, um, like we're going to talk about what if in a second, but I think them just releasing all the episodes, like, just get this shit out of the fucking way. (laughs) Like, I, I think like it's good just to like have, all the MCU stuff just out of the way. So next year could be like a solid, like seven fucking months without like, any MCU shit, basically. And, you know, I think that's just good for the, just for how people just perceive the MCU at this point. Cause I think the Marvels was a big tipping point for a lot of people, even though I think it doesn't really deserve it that much. Like, I think it's kind of gained, like, overhater. Like, I think it's fine. But, yeah. Like, you know, I, I understand. Like, I understand why people are just, like, upset and just don't want to see any more of this shit. So, it coming out later is just a good thing. And it being Deadpool 3 is hopefully, hopefully a banger, but we'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the next MCU thing after What If Season 2 is going to be Echo, which is going to drop oh, right, everything. right,
1: Echo, right. Drop no, everything also, on... Yeah,
0: yeah. on- july 10th but then after that we're gonna get that nice break up until deadpool 3 but speaking of what if uh they dropped a season 2 trailer which uh if you know us we were very much like why the fuck are they doing this but here it is what if season 2 uh it's gonna be nine episodes and one episode is gonna release every single day starting on december 22nd uh so from then on out for the next nine days after that i guess you're gonna get one new episode every single day so (laughs) You know, that's going to be kind of interesting. I hope that the quality of them is, you know, just as good as season one because just from watching this trailer you know uh, people may still be upset about the whole like uh, sort of CG comic booky style animation you know I'm kind of like indifferent to it you know I wish it was much more of the traditional I guess like hand-drawn stuff but you know what beggars can't be choosers kind of thing um, but for me it just looks like that they're just plugging in and plugging out certain heroes to sort of fulfill this what-if scenario if you will and I'm just not sold on that I feel like season one had a lot more interesting concepts obviously with the whole like uh, what if Peggy Carter was Captain America? You know, like that—that that was like a pretty safe one to start off with, and then you get into the more creative and, and wacky stuff, like with the whole Doctor Strange thing. I think that that was like a very interesting one, and then that whole episode where. Um, I believe I forget exactly what it was. I think it was episode two or three, uh, but you, with a black widow and, and everything like that, sort yeah. of like how, how that timeline changed and whatnot, you know, like there were a lot of interesting concepts there and then they had to fucking ruin it by having it all connect together at the end for some dumbass reason. I don't know yeah. why, but they had to connect it connected all at the end. So, um, I'm sure that's going to be the same thing for this sort of nine episode event as they're calling it. But yeah, I just hope that we get, we get a few bangers out of it. That's all I'm asking for
1: yeah i got I feel like my anthologies like I feel like them connecting at the end like definitely like why like that's the whole yeah like, you're not supposed to do that <laughs> like <laughs> I feel like star Wars visions has done that like so fucking good, like especially season two, like I was like really shocked how good like each episode was uh, in star wars visions uh season two um and I wish what if was like that, especially with the different art styles and stuff, but um yeah, you know them doing another one of this, I'm like, all right, fine, I guess, like I'll watch it <laughs> why not? we gotta talk about it, so yeah. we'll watch it. Um, but I'm not like that excited about it because I, yes, I thought the I'm... first season had some pretty good ones. Like I think Doc Strange one was actually really good, uh, and you know like the the some of the other ones were also okay. But I think at the end it just ends up just being like whatever. So uh, I guess we'll see how it turns out. Maybe it'll be better, uh, but it probably is gonna still connect because it's like oh it's like a nine event nine day event thing. <laughs> so um, yeah, I guess we'll see how that turns out. All right. Well, speaking of more, DMs, uh, DM, what the fuck oh. uh, MCU shit? <laughs> Pedro Pascal, we can't get rid of him. Uh, I love him though, so that's all right. Is I to play Reed Richards <laughs> in uh, Marvel Studios Fantastic Four? So uh, obviously Reed Richards is uh, Mister Fantastic. Um, obviously a lot of people wanted Jim from The Office, but they they did that and he's dead now, <laughs> so <laughs> he, he is not going to be uh, Mister Fantastic. So uh, I mean, uh, Pedro Pascal is great. You know, I, I love him and basically anything he's in. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think he could fit as a as a Reed Richards. Again, I'm not like too like connected to the Fantastic Four. Like I, they could do, they could cast whoever, and I'll probably just be okay with it. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, Pedro Pascal, great actor. Um, you know, I, I I hope he's okay with just being in the MCU for like <laughs> for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is what he's gonna be doing. And you know, apparently, like you know, he's a busy guy. Like they said, like this guy get like you know, if they are gonna do this, like his schedule is packed. Like he got Last of Us Part Two. Um, you know, he has uh, Mandalorian probably still going on. Uh, a bunch of other shit so you know the dude's the dude's busy so i guess we'll see if this is actually true or not but um i guess we'll see whenever they release that trailer right
0: yeah i mean you know when this news broke it was very much like oh what the hell like uh, he's sort of like in talks with marvel to potentially play Reed, reed richards within the fantastic four which was a very big surprise for some people because you know Um, that was you know the last I guess like alias Hollywood actor people thought that would play Reed Richards but you know what if they're going for a new direction with the Fantastic Four because you know Uh, If you didn't watch the old movies or they're not fresh in your mind or if you don't read the comics and it's like, okay, yeah, then who the fuck is the Fantastic Four? Which I feel like a lot of the MCU audience, including us, to a certain extent, don't really know who they are. So if they really do want to reboot them and sort of bring them into the MCU in a new and special way, you know, bringing in Pedro Pascal, one of the best Hollywood actors right now. Yeah, sure. Fuck it. Why not? Um, Do I see him as Reed Richards? Not necessarily, but I'm sure that uh, once he is in that role, I'm sure that he will do great if he actually does end up signing onto the project. But yeah, you know, he's he's a busy guy. I'm sure that that is like one of the things that they're trying to figure out is like, how is he going to work into the schedule if we're going to make him Mr. Fantastic? Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah you know i i like john krasinski as uh you know mr fantastic for that that little snippet within uh dr strange multiverse of madness you know that was pretty much like everyone's uh sort of fan casting if you will and for it to be on screen on the big picture that was kind of crazy uh but you know what for him to just play as like i guess like that variant of it you know what fine whatever i don't care uh (laughs) i just hope that this Fantastic Four movie just ends up being good, and we actually get like a solid like confirmation in terms of like who's actually gonna be the uh, the uh, Marvel family.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see once they actually like sort of like announce the whole like casting for it, because um there's like like hotly debated apparently, <laughs> like <so> who's <laughs> gonna be the Fantastic Four. So yeah, um, I mean, I guess it's a big deal because they probably are gonna be a big part of the MCU moving forward. So um I suppose because like the MCU doesn't really have like I guess in universe doesn't really have like a strong leadership Leader. you know, yeah. yeah like you know like iron man and captain america was sort of like that sort of leadership but now that there really isn't so it's gonna be interesting to see how they sort of play into the mcu like a whole thing so
0: yeah <laughs> yeah all right so now we got some other marvel <laughs> stuff we got oh, we Madame got web <laughs> we got peak yes uh, we were both hoping that this was going to play during the marvel's trailers but it yeah. <laughs> unfortunately did not but anyways uh so we got madam webb uh, the first trailer for the Sony verse, uh, sort of Madam Web movie, uh, you got Dakota Johnson playing as Madam Web, you got Sydney Sweeney. Uh, Playing as fucking, I forget Spider Woman. I guess I don't know. Uh, One of the Spider Woman. Anyway, I mean it's multiple. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So this trailer is pretty much uh, you know a hodgepodge of a bunch of different, I believe Marvel comic storylines that they're trying to do with this. Um, and they're obviously changing certain things because Madame Webb is usually like an old woman, and uh, obviously that is not here uh apparently uh, one of the characters is playing as a younger uncle ben uh, yeah. <laughs> and i believe emma roberts is also going to be Aunt may or some shit so there's a lot of weird and interesting things going on here but the trailer itself i mean it looks like what i would expect for a sony verse marvel movie yeah. it's not anything spectacular it's not you know sort of taking my breath away if you will but this is the first sony verse spider-man movie that isn't about one of his villains it's actually about like a cast of heroes if you will so how will it play out i have no idea is it gonna be good probably not will i be there in theaters yes i will crazy i
1: won't <laughs> <laughs> um i mean with these spider oh uh, spider-verse no that those are good movies the, with these <laughs> sonyverse uh like spider-man movies like they always just look the same to me like they just like. Look- They they feel like the superhero movies stuck in, like, the 2000s. Like, they they never evolved past that point in time where people didn't want to make superhero movies. Like, they're just stuck in that time frame of, like, (laughs) of these superhero movies. And I guess it has, like, a certain charm to them. And I do agree they do have, like, that weird 2000s charm to them. But are they good? Like, not really. I mean, like... Venom is probably the best one to come out from them, and that's still like just okay. Um, you know, like Morbius is obviously a meme, uh, Craven the Hunter probably isn't gonna be very good, and this one also doesn't really give me strong vibes that's gonna be good at all. <laughs> um, you know, like you said, I mean, it's interesting that making Madame Web like sort of like I guess a younger person because again, I'm used to her just being an old lady, like in a chair, yeah, so it's gonna be cool to see her, I guess, do stuff. And I guess she's like Shulk and she could see in the future or some shit. I forget, i I forgot she could do that, <laughs> so um. But yeah, I guess that's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting how they, you know, I guess, interact with all the other, I guess, Spider-Women, because there's a lot of them. So yep. we'll see how that plays into things. Um, I, I only really know Cindy Shawini. I don't know anyone else here. I don't think so. Um, but uh, I guess we'll see how they, they do as, like, spider people i mean i'm always yeah. down for more like spider-man stuff but we'll see how it is i mean if that thing that's like the evil spider-man guy is like ben parker or some shit like i'm like what what's going on <laughs> i don't know it's gonna be weird so um i don't know I, if anything hopefully it's like just a good time even if it's bad like hopefully it's just like a fun time just to watch it but um yeah i guess we'll see the trailer did not invoke any confidence in me that it's actually gonna be good but i guess mm-hmm. I guess we'll see when it actually comes out. I actually don't even know when it's coming out. When is it coming out? <laughs>
0: uh, this movie is coming soon. We have no exact oh, date, date as of okay. yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sydney Sweeney is playing Julia Carpenter. Uh, Isabel Merst is playing Anya Cor- Corraza. I'm butchering (laughs) butchering names as usual Uh, and uh, Celeste O'Connor is playing Maddie Franklin so uh, I don't know who Maddie Franklin is but Julia Carpenter and Anya sound familiar within the Spider-Man mythos if you will uh, even though I'm not exactly too deep into it but Yeah, I mean, they're going to be be playing the Spider-Woman and sort of, I guess, helping Madame Web uh, saving uh, what would eventually become, uh, I guess, Peter Parker and sort of how that storyline goes goes about. I don't know exactly what the fuck's happening, but I'm guessing that they're trying to save the sort of Spider-Man lineage and sort of have Peter Parker become that first Spider-Person and then the rest of it will fall into place or some shit. I don't know, but... (laughs) <laughs> dude I, I don't
1: know i mean hopefully the cost I, I wish we had like a better look at like their costumes because like i'd yeah. like to see like what they look like i mean i didn't really like the evil spider-man's like his looks really cheap <laughs> but it would have been cool to like see i one of them has the iron spider thing so that's kind of cool yeah but um i, I guess we'll see you later but uh yeah not really instilling a lot of confidence but
0: <laughs> yeah let's just let's just move on <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: So, Star Wars uh, is going to be undertaking a big universe shake-up here after Ahsoka. So, basically, it's just going to be Dave Filoni, or Filoni? I think it's Filoni. Filoni. Uh, Yeah, Filoni. He's going to be the chief uh, creative officer of Lucasfilms, which honestly shouldn't surprise anyone, because I feel like... Most of the Star Wars projects after Rise of Skywalker has been, like, kind of just overseen by him to begin with. Um, and this, this this is a very long article that goes into, like, a lot of different stuff. But, yeah, basically, you just got to know that he is going to be basically overseeing everything at this point, which I, he kind of, already was doing to begin with. Like, I feel like the only thing he didn't have a hand in was Andor, right? I feel like Andor was the only thing he didn't really, like... I believe pap- so. Yeah, because that does feel very different from, like, all the other things that's been made from Star Wars. And, you know, for some people, this is a good thing. For some people, I know it's bad. Like Some people don't really like the new direction of Star Wars, being, like, super interconnected and stuff. And I understand that. Like, I feel like like having to understand... Mandalorian season 3 you had to watch Book of Boba Fett was kind of stupid and the fact mm-hmm. that one of the best Mandalorian episodes was in Book of Boba Fett is really dumb as well <laughs> but um <laughs> uh, you know I, I think he does have a vision and I think if he has allowed uh, more freedom like I guess he is now I think he can make something really good you know I, I haven't been like like I think this has been a pretty okay time to be a Star Wars fan like I don't think it's as bad as like when the sequels were coming out when people were just like hating on everything like I think it's been kind of just mm-hmm. more of a mix sort of reaction yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm excited. I mean, I, I like Ahsoka. I mean, I really like Mandalorian still. Um, even though if Season 3 was a little rocky in the beginning, I think it ended really well. Um, you know, obviously Andor is really good as well, even though that wasn't really directed by him or anything. Uh, you know, I, I still kind of like the current direction Star Wars is going. Um, obviously, there, there are some stinkers, you know, like Obi-Wan was really disappointing. And um, <laughs> of <Pokemon laughs> Boba Fett could have been a lot better. But um, I think it's been okay so far.
0: Yeah, I think that pretty much anything and everything that Dave Filoni touches within the Star Wars universe is just a banger. So it makes total sense for him to be the sort of creative or chief creative officer at Lucasfilms. You know, that that very much fits sort of what he envisions, I guess, for Star Wars in, in the future of it because he knows what to do with these characters and sort of with the universe, you know, because, you know, he created a lot of like the Ahsoka stuff and also with the with the Clone Wars in and of itself, you know, people who who watched it like me, you know, I love Clone Wars and the reason for it is because of his vision and sort of how he wanted to take these characters in that certain direction. And, you know, because because he knows you know star wars he knows what makes good stories within this sort of franchise and i hope that you know whatever he does next and sort of whatever else happens within the star wars universe he has some hand in it to sort of guide it along to make sure that you know it passes that i guess like quality check if you will but um yeah this is a pretty large vanity fair article if you guys want to read it uh pretty much about the ahsoka series and sort of the behind the scenes of it now that the writer strike and the actor strike is all over but yeah you know Dave Filoni, I hope that we get to see a lot more of his vision within the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. All right, so now we got a lot of Superman legacy castings. Uh, these have been reports uh, pretty much confirming a lot of this stuff, so I will just go in order from top to bottom. So first you got Nicholas holt as lex Luthor. uh if you guys don't know he auditioned to play as superman and batman and unfortunately didn't get either so him to Damn. be lex luther is very funny <laughs> uh, we got skylar giz gizondo uh he's playing jimmy olsen if you look at this guy he looks like jimmy olsen <laughs> yeah uh and then we got sarah sam uh playing as eve uh Tresh-Macher. She's <laughs> pretty much Lex Luthor's henchwoman. Don't fucking make fun of me. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, we just got a couple more castings to confirm sort of what's going to be happening within uh, Superman Legacy. And yeah, you know what? Like James Gunn Cook. I mean, obviously, like he knows sort of what who he wants to work with, not just looks wise, but obviously like sort of what they have to offer to the table. Um, I think Nicholas Holt's landing that like lex luther role is just very very funny uh just because he actually does have some i guess vengeance and in a, a bone to pick with uh the actor who is playing superman currently so uh but yeah you know i am i'm happy that we are getting sort of news like this to see exactly how the movie's going to be shaping up i wish that we would get less of these just to make it a little more surprising if you will uh but you know it, it is hollywood so it's kind of hard to you know sort of keep lips tight from uh, leaking anything and everything <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean again, like you said, let James Gunn cook. Like I think he's always been, <laughs> you know, really good at what he does. Um, especially his casting traces, like, you know, like Guardians and was the the Suicide Squad, you know, those have been like just fantastic just choices and stuff, so I'm really interested to see how this movie turns out as well. Mostly as a reformed or like I guess like a new word, Superman fan. Thanks to the show, like I actually like mm-hmm. care about this character. So hopefully he can also match that energy because I really like my adventures with Superman. I thought that show was really good. So if uh, Superman Legacy can uh, be just as good, I'm good with that. Again, like James Gunn, I guess I like Superman now. So <laughs> <laughs> um, here we are. So yeah, ho- hopefully this movie turns out really good because I know he's putting a lot of his uh, a lot of his heart and soul into this movie. So I will see how this turns out. Yeah. All right. So next we got really exciting news. Uh we got a new ongoing comic book featuring Peter Aaron Miles and is written by the guy who wrote Spectacular Spider-Man. Uh Greg Wiseman, right? Or is it, yep. or is it yeah. Wiseman. And, yep. Yeah, Wiseman, yeah. And art by Humberto Ramos. Uh hopefully I pronounced that right. <laughs> but um yeah so both of these guys uh worked on spectacular spider-man and this comic is called the spectacular spider-men so you see what he did there <laughs> it's very cool uh but yeah this is honestly like really cool uh again i don't really read the comics or anything but um you know just having like the writer and like the artist uh of uh spectacular spider-man uh work on this together is uh is really cool to see and you know i uh, think
0: the artist the artist is someone new but
1: Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I thought he was, but either way, uh, it's still really cool to see. Uh, you know, spectacular Spider-Man is uh, still one of the best uh, interpretations of the character, and to see it sort of like in a sort of an obviously it's not a continuation. I mean, I don't think it is. Like, it, not really. Like, you know, it's yeah. like just sort of a new thing, written by the same guy. I think that's really cool since the writing in that show was really good, and seeing having Miles in there as well is really cool. I really like this new thing where both of them are like together um and you know mm-hmm. he's not like you know miles isn't seen as like a sidekick like he's just yeah he's, he's spider-man you know like that's the last thing i really want i don't want writers to do if with these newer spider-man stories like i don't want miles to just be like a robin <laughs> or anything like that like <laughs> i want him to be his own character and it seems like they yeah. really got that i think that's i got that i think um the spider-verse people got it i think like hopefully this comic will also get it that like, like yeah this is like you know like power team yeah so that's good <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, Spider-Man fans are fucking eating well, uh, especially yeah. if, if you read their comic book adventures. I think that this is a series that pretty much no one saw coming, but I feel like with the rise of, like, the Marvel Spider-Man games, with especially with the most recent one, uh, to have a comic book where both of them is, is sort of featured in it and it's going to be an ongoing series is awesome, spectacular even. Um, and to have Greg Wiseman, yep. who worked on the spectacular Spider-Man uh, and have him sort of write the show or write the the series, just like how he was a co-developer writer and, uh, supervising producer on that show in particular. It's like, okay, yeah, like this guy knows how to write Spider-Man stories and for him to also have miles in it. I think that that's going to be very interesting. And, uh, Humberto uh, Ramos, he has done various works within the uh, Spider-Man series, uh, from Peter Parker, Spider-Man to uh, the the Spectacular Spider-Man. So, you know, for for them two to come t- together within the Spectacular Spider-Man is going to be cool. Uh, this was a book that I was originally going to wait for it to release in trade paperback form. But apparently, as long as pre-orders stay up and sort of people continue to buy it and read it, the series will keep going. So I guess I'm going to have to buy it as as it comes out. I'm going to have to add it to my I forget exactly what it's called, but I just have to go and ask my comment comic book guy to you know leave one aside for me every single time they come out but yeah the the series will start serializing on march 6 2024 so yeah if you are interested to read a ongoing the first ever ongoing spider-man story featuring peter and miles uh this one is right up your alley very cool <laughs> all right so moving on from there we got a spoiler discussion of the marvels we both saw it this past weekend we did not see it the week it came out we waited a little bit because damien was in town so we might as well see it together um but yeah the marvels has come and gone uh, It is still in theaters but we saw it and we're here to give our thoughts on it so uh as someone who uh you know really likes kamala khan and you know is sort of okay on carol danvers and uh captain rambo you know I really did like this movie. It was just a lot of fun. It's not Mm -hmm. anything that I would necessarily say is like top 10 worthy within like the MCU, mind you. I think that it was like a fun, dumb movie. It doesn't necessarily do anything spectacular, but it doesn't necessarily do anything that's like stupid or dumb. I mean, I feel like a lot of the story was sort of unraveling as we were watching. Uh, which is a good or bad thing because I feel like the setup wasn't necessarily there because we didn't really know what the main villain's motive was until like halfway through the movie, yeah. which may or may not work for some people. For me, it was like, yeah, okay, I could see where where they're going with it. It sort of it, it, it explains why Carol didn't go back to Earth for so many years because she was trying to fix this one mistake that she did. Uh, so you know what, it's fine or whatever. They do harken back to the first uh, Captain Marvel movie sometimes, so I wonder. I want to hear what Damien thinks about that because Damien did not watch that one no, I, I didn't watch it <laughs> uh but also you know it also harkens back to the whole snap situation where with you know people coming back and whatnot so um but yeah you know I really did like this film I think Kamala Khan really nailed it. Sort of uh her her performance was obviously like the best out of all of them just because she was just a fucking fangirl. and just be like, oh my god, it's Carol Danvers. Holy shit. So um but yeah, you know, it was just it was just a fun time all around. Nothing really to complain here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I basically feel the same, right? Like, I think the I, I like the movie a lot too. Like, I thought it was a fun time. Like, it's just dumb fun. But also, isn't really like there's not a lot of substance there. Like, there really isn't mm-hmm. much to say about it because it's just like it's just kind of a fun movie. Like, uh, all right, so in I, I didn't watch Captain Marvel, as you just said, but um, did, did, she, did was that plot point in the first movie Did she like kill this AI and then like no, or did no, they no. just bring that up yeah, in yeah, this movie
0: so that was brought up in this movie oh, okay. that was kind of lame <laughs> yeah, yeah. that was something in between because as i was watching i was like wait what the fuck is this like actually carol danvers or what and you know uh, obviously within that flashback sequence she looks very like fucking evil or, or yeah. whatever uh but you know and then she, she explains you know that they were like controlling the people or whatever and i was like it's kind of dumb but you yeah, know what i'm right. gonna just go along with it so <laughs>
1: all right. yeah i mean and just like a lot of MCU movies, like the villains are like kind of just dog shit. Like who who cares? Like you know, like I, I like she wants to like make her planet. It's like this literally what Drek wants to do in Ratchet and Clank One, like or, or Spaceballs. I see everyone keeps bringing up Spaceballs, and really is true that it really is just the plot of Spaceballs. But um, but yeah, who who really cares? I think the main dynamic of this movie is like the main trio. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and I think that's great. Like, I, and I, that is mostly what they focus on is like them sort of like teaming up together and having all like the hijinks and stuff. Um, and I think that's like the real sort of heart of the movie and what will make you like the movie is like these three interacting. I think they'll have really good interactions again, especially Kamala Khan. Like, she has like the best like interactions out of all of them. Um, mm-hmm. I think the action is really good as well, like I mean really like the the freaky Friday shit that they have to deal with, like them switching <laughs> mid combat. so I think I honestly think it was like super fun to watch um yeah, and yeah that, that's basically what the movie is. It's just like a fun popcorn movie to watch like it's not very long. it's just kind of a fun time uh there's a lot of fun action set pieces and stuff uh again, yeah some like I guess deeper moments or whatever, but I feel like it's more just there just to be there um mm-hmm. and you know, and that's kind of it <laughs> then it kind of just ends so you know. I understand, like, why people may not, like, be too keen on it, but it's, it's, like, really inoffensive. Like, it's a very inoffensive movie. Like, very 7 out of 10. I enjoyed it. I had a good time watching it. Um... Uh, but it doesn't really like it doesn't really do anything for the MCU overall. But that's fine. Like, it, it, not every movie really has to. Like, it could just be a fun movie, and that's what I thought it was. It was a fun movie. So yeah,
0: yeah. For this movie to be a follow up to Secret Invasion, I was just like, okay, yeah. Well, like, how is how is that show gonna play into this? And it honestly fucking didn't. Like, no, it and, doesn't. You see scrolls like, for like a second. Yeah, yeah. It's like okay, yeah, scrolls are here. But like, does that have any implications to like what the last project was about? Not really. So you know, it was it was just fun. I just enjoyed seeing the trio sort of interact and sort of figure out what it means to like be a team together. Cause yeah. only Kamala Khan's is really keen on them being like, we gotta be a team guys. And then Carol's like, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. I work alone. But she's like, you know what? It is nice to, you know, have people around her and stuff like that. And, you know there are certain moments within the movie such as them sort of using those like things to like go back to their memories and sort of like oh, yeah. that moment like that was kind of messed up because she was like going back to like when she she talked to rambo's mom and i was like oh fuck like this <laughs> this is not good bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> we, should, we should not be here uh but yeah i mean it's just fun you know uh i guess like the fate of captain rambo and sort of like how that uh post credit scene ends up i was just like okay yeah i guess they're sort of setting up like the multiple different timelines or whatever also with the whole x-men thing you know we see beast there yep. that was spoiled for me but i didn't realize it was a spoiler when i saw it on twitter that i saw it in the movie i was like oh shit i wasn't supposed to see that okay <laughs> well you um, thought it was
1: fun you thought it was from like an
0: x-men movie or something yeah i, I, I thought it was from like an x-men movie that i missed out <laughs> on i was like why am i seeing this now whatever <laughs> um but yeah you know that was like kind of cool i guess and sort of like what they're setting up for for the future, but yeah, you know, I knew that she wasn't dead. I feel like most people didn't because it was kind of yeah. just like, oh, you know, like she's just sealing up the thing because you know she's trying to do the right thing or whatever. But
1: yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's how I feel too. Like, I, I definitely, she wasn't dead. Like, they're definitely <laughs> going to do something with it. I, I didn't expect them to do like, oh yeah, she's in, I guess, a different dimension now. I guess multiverse because we're still in that. So, and she's in the X Men world now. Um, You know, it's going to be kind of weird how they bring in X Men stuff because they haven't really ever referenced mutants that much. The only time they have was Kamala Khan now. Cause she's yeah. a mutant in, in MCU lore. So, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be interesting how to sort of bring that into the MCU, uh, from like this dimension. Cause you know, I-, I feel like the X-Men stuff is like very based off like, yeah, like, uh, oppression and like mutants always being there and shit. Um, and it not just being a thing in the MCU until, like, now is going to feel kind of weird. But uh, I guess we'll see how they tie into that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, overall, you yeah, know, solid movie. I, I, I had a good time watching it. I, again, like I said, there really isn't, like, much to say about it besides that. Yeah. But like, it's not, like, a lot of substance. Like, there's not a lot of things that really, like, happen to happen. But mm-hmm. it's a good movie. And I, I guess that kind of goes into the outrage where, like, people, like... You know, I saw on YouTube, like, some video has, like, 2 million views. Like, this is the death of the MCU. And this is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like... Not nah, like, it's, it's a fine movie. Like, if you want to talk about a shit thing, that's that Secret Invasion. That was garbage. Like, you could talk yeah. about that. Like, this is just very inoffensive. But, you know, for a lot of people, it's just, like, the, the final straw. But whatever. It, it's fine.
0: <laughs> it's good. It's yeah. good. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. And then, not really much to say about that. But what we what we do have to talk about a lot yeah. is uh, Scott Pilgrim takes off the anime. So this is the adaptation of the Scott Pilgrim graphic novel, uh, now, into a Netflix anime. So, we're going to talk about spoilers. I'm sure you probably know what the fucking twist is if you have been on Twitter. But if you haven't, uh, don't watch or listen to what the fuck we're about to say uh, mm-hmm. and come back to us after just you watch, watch the. Yeah, just watch the eight episodes. But don't watch it if you don't know anything about Scott Fogel. Yeah, yeah. The most you have to do is watch the movie. I agree, and then yep. after that, you can watch the anime. Because if you <laughs> watch the anime straight up, you're not going to know anything. You're yeah. going to be so fucking lost and be like, what the hell is happening? You're not going to appreciate it as much as as if you were to watch the movie and or read the graphic novel. Because if you read that as well, I mean, it's been years since me and Damien have read it and I don't remember much of it. But you do get like that better context in terms of like what they're trying to do here and everything like that. So um, Damien, obviously, we talked about it a little bit when you were here, but. Uh, what did you think about them just like turning everything on its head?
1: Dude, I I was so blindsided. I did not know this was going to happen. And like, it all started to click like I seen after the, the first episode ended because I'm like oh mm-hmm. now I know why Scott program takes off because he's not fucking here <laughs> <laughs> but I would I was so blindsided like the first episode I'm like yeah yeah this is great this is like yeah remake of the of the stuff like he has all the funny jokes you remember like yeah like the all the cool stuff you know Bright
0: makes you fat oh my yeah, god <laughs> makes you fat Here's the
1: awkward conversation Scott has with Ramona like like you know that's all the fun stuff mm-hmm. um, and then as soon as the first fight comes on I'm like oh yeah here we go first fight can't wait to see how this works in animation and then he finally fucking dies so i'm like wait what <laughs> what happened i was like confused we were both just looked at each other like what happened yeah. <laughs> like i still didn't know what was going on until the second episode i'm like oh this is different this is yeah. a different thing um and i for some people they hated that for me i fucking loved it i was like holy shit yes. this is a new scott pilgrim thing <laughs> so yeah mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I guess as, like, longer-term Scott Pilgrim fans where it's like, we haven't gotten anything new in, like, yeah. fucking years. So, for them to make this adaptation so different and make it so unique and sort of, you know, have a different spin on the Scott Pilgrim story is cool. It's it's obviously, like, very meta. Like, you can't really do this kind of story without having this sort of, like, fan base of people and fans that are like, oh, okay, like, we're down with this. Yeah. Uh, because of the Scott Pilgrim phenomenon has sort of taken off over the years because where people are watching the movie playing the game you know so they're able to do this within the anime and you know honestly like just like with you you know after that first episode I was like are they, like, fucking bullshitting us right now? And then, like, the whole funeral thing happens. I'm like, oh, shit. And then we see the coins in there. I'm like, oh, okay, this is... <laughs> we're still making fun of it, but you know what? This is actually where we're going with it. And, you know, Ramona Fly was just kind of, you know, goes around trying to, like, question her evil exes and everything like that and sort of, like, get to, get to the bottom of everything. And a lot of the characters are changed up so dramatically and, like, they're fleshed out so, so well, too. I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, like... I also really enjoyed what they did with this. I could see why people wouldn't just because like their expectations were that, Oh, this is going to be like another faithful adaptation of it. You know, they might, you know, flesh out certain things that weren't within the movie, like what we were expecting Yeah, because, you know, that's sort of like what the, the, the trailer gave off. But like, if they gave that off within the trailer to sort of be like, hey, like, this is going to be a completely new and different thing, that surprise wouldn't be there. And <laughs> obviously, like, it backfired on some people, but I feel like for us, it was like, oh, okay, like, this is pretty cool because we've always wanted something new Scott Pilgrim related. And I feel like what they did with this, obviously very meta, obviously may not work for some people, but I think it it was great. It was awesome.
1: Yeah, I, I do understand that people are mad uh, for, like, just wanting a straight remake because, like, oh, they, like, mm-hmm. held off on ever-consuming Scott Pilgrim content, and then they're like, oh, this new remake is coming out, like, watch this instead. Then I can understand being maybe a little mad, or confused, because, like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> so that, that I can understand, because, you know, they did kind of, it was kind of a bait-and-switch, but again, like, like I said, I, I love that. Like, I I have never been so blindsided by a piece of media before. Like, I <laughs> I was, like, so happy that things were super different, and I think the changes they did were great. Like, Obviously, it's very meta, and again, it's very much playing off the fact that you've at least consumed something Scott Pilgrim before, like, either the movie, the graphic novel, or, like, both, uh, you know, preferably. Um, Yeah. So, it really, really plays into that. But I do like, even out of the meta sense, it really does just focus a lot on Ramona and uh, and the exes. Like, I, I... I'm shocked like how much more characterization the exes got because those back those like sort of backstory segments were in the comic like I do remember that but I don't remember ever like Ramona confronting them as much as she did in in this because you know Scott Mm -hmm. kind of just killed them (laughs) right yeah so um, I do like kind of like the message of this being like you know I don't know if this supposed to be again it gets really meta I don't know if like old Scott is supposed to be comic Scott and like this supposed to be the comic variants and like this is sort of like a new timeline or some bullshit <laughs> like that but all I know is it's, it's from the original comic even though Scott goes through a lot of character growth and stuff and I don't think that's ever lost like, I saw some people saying that's a complaint they have with the show like they feel like all the character development he got in the comic is like for nothing and I, I don't really think that's true I think there's just yeah. learn like learn new lessons like I think Scott learns not to just like fight everything mm-hmm. and Ramona learns not to run away like they make that very explicit in the final episode like Ramona kind of just runs away from all her problems till the very end and if mm-hmm like all her character development uh in the movie and in the comic kind of just comes from gideon at the last like point um but she never really like talks to her exes as like people (laughs) like in this one i feel like she really does her best to like actually like like you know, make amends with like all of them, and they all just become friends by the end. And I think that's really cool. I think that's a lot more like of a grown up way to do things. And it's, mm-hmm. I guess, it kind of also reflects the creator just being older at this point. Like he was like a mid 20s something, like us when he made Scott Program, and now he's like in his like thirties or some shit. So like it's kind of cool to see him like kind of be like this is like kind of a more of adult way to like handle this type of stuff instead of just like <laughs> fighting or like running away from all your shit. So yeah, I thought I thought the themes and stuff were like really good as well.
0: Yeah, I don't understand how people are able to view that, like, Scott didn't learn, like, lessons throughout this. Because, like, obviously, like, when when he comes back, it's like, where have you been? And then it's like, they show you where he's been and yeah. sort of who took him and everything like that. And he learns, you know, sort of not just, like, what to not do in the future, but also just, like, learn that, like, oh, you know, like, I can't just, like, punch my way through things. You know, I have to, like, talk my way out of things sometimes. And, you know, um, just, like... With the whole, uh, you know, Ramona running away, and then him sort of, uh, you know, fighting his way out of it. Because, like, that's what, like, very old Scott was doing. Is I'm yeah. a fucking train, and I'm going to kill everyone. And I was yeah. like, I don't know if that's the right way to do things, man. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, like, the show just, like, is able to develop all of these other characters more and also make them in new and different ways. Like, w- for example, with uh, Todd, you know, mm. he, be- he he's not a virgin anymore and he might be gay. You know what? <laughs> Fuck it. Why not? You know what? I'm-, I'm down with it. You know, he was running lines in his trailer or some shit or whatever. I was like, <laughs> yeah. okay, yeah. You know what? That was great. I fucking loved what they did with all of these characters. Um, I really like the fact that they were also able to flesh out Ramona more because she pretty much became the main character... Because Scott was MIA for so many episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you know, it's even better because the fact that they got all of the old voice actors back and the fact that they knew that like this was gonna be such like a different take on it that they were like, oh, okay, yeah, like we're just playing these characters again, but in a new and completely different way.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah I thought all the voice actors did a great job as well I, I think honestly I think the weakest episode probably is the first episode because they're trying to like recreate like mm-hmm. some of the scenes from the movie and the comics and stuff and you know yeah. people already have that stuff in their head like oh this isn't as good as like the movie or whatever so I think it's actually beneficial that it isn't just a straight remake because I feel like that magic would just be like lost after like the initial like like oh they're just doing it again right so I'm, yeah. I'm really happy to decide to go for a new direction so all the voice actors or you know actors could like you know portray them in like a newer sense like, I think Ramona did a great job as well because I guess she is basically the main character in this story. Um, mm-hmm. It's also weird when people are like, oh, the, the show's called Scott Pilgrim, not Ramona Flowers. So I'm like, how can you not like Scott Pilgrim? How can you like Scott Pilgrim, but not like Ramona Flowers? She's like, like <laughs> half of the fucking story. That makes like no sense. But whatever. Yeah.
0: Also, also, Scott is like the least favorite character. Like if you actually read the comic, like if I were to read it today, Scott Pilgrim would not be my favorite character. Yeah. Because he's... He's a fucking asshole. Yeah, like that's I mean, the point.
1: Yeah, the, the whole point is like you know he's not like a good person. Like you know they, I mean both Ramona and him both have to go through a lot of shit to like actually be good people so they could like deserve mm-hmm. each other or whatever. Um and you know yeah yeah like they make it really explicit in this anime that like yeah Scott's not like that great of a person. You know obviously like him saying like yeah apparently a twenty three year old like dating a seventeen year old is not <laughs> acceptable in society. Like like you know like that type of stuff like has to be kind of blatant now I guess like because people yeah. just don't understand the subtext or whatever. It's not even subtext? Because mm-hmm. it, it just shows you but um but yeah I, I really enjoyed this like a lot like that i wouldn't even talk about like the animation or anything like that or the music like uh, like the animation was fantastic like it, it looked super yeah. good like very accurate to the comics like art style um like all the fight scenes were super good especially the final fight like god damn the final fight was so good <laughs> and when they played like the video game music at the end too it was like oh 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 you're killing me i love it <laughs> so um yeah it's it was just like fantastic from everything from the story from the animation the voice acting everything was like super great and i Understand how people are, won't jive with it because it's very, it's very evangelical. There, there was so many evangelical <laughs> references, like the AK fields, it's just AT fields. They have like the stupid Scott head sideways, like Ray, yeah. and like the final episode. Like, so many Ava references because it's definitely based off the rebuild sequel series of Ava, where it was also advertised as a straight remake of Evangelion and then changed into like a, basically a pseudo-sequel. And it's basically doing the same thing here. And I know some people hate that. I personally like it if it's done right. Like, I think Final Fantasy VII Remake also does that. And it, it, it kind of does it well, kind of doesn't. I think Scott Pilgrim takes off, does it very well, in my eyes. Because it just complements the existing media while like kind of yes. trampling it. But also feels like a definitive end for this franchise. Like, I, I really like how the ending doesn't just show... Scott and Ramona happily ever after, just leaving through a subspace door. Like this one's like, oh, like that you know, they're just with their friends and going outside and like like, okay, you don't know where they're gonna go for sure. You don't know if they're gonna be happy for sure, but you know, that's just how life is and shit. So I think that's a more mature ending as well. But yeah, I think I think it was really fucking good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was hooked in episode one when he said Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, yeah, <laughs> um, <but laughs> it's like me yeah. for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I literally everything about the show was great. You know, just like how they changed up the characters, the animation, the art style, the music, the voice acting. You know, I we'll see myself watching this again sometime yes, before definitely. the end of this year yeah just because like now that we know what's gonna happen it's like okay now now we can properly prepare ourselves as we're consuming it to sort of look for all of the other little easter eggs and little things you know like fucking edgar wrong yeah, like edgar obviously Wong. like yeah. that was that was very on the nose but you know what it worked i fucking love that yeah um so yeah you know um obviously Hopefully that, you know, some something else Scott Pogrom uh, related probably won't happen any any anytime soon. Because like you said, this does feel like the definitive ending. It's sort of like the conclusion to this entire sort of series, if you will. Um, but yeah, I'm sure people are still going to fucking bother uh, the creator to Brian do more I'm Scott out, Pogrom yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah I, probably- I've, I, I've, <laughs> at
1: this point, I'm like, I, I'm good. Like, like yeah. I think this was like um like the definitive thing to just end the series I, I would be okay if this was a straight remake i've been okay with it but him doing yeah. this really feels like okay i'm done with scott pilgrim now and i'm totally okay with that like if he never wants to touch the series again i feel definitely satisfied like we had a great graphic novel we had a great movie great game and now a great like tv show like i really couldn't ask for more at this point and i am happy with it so uh really fantastic and i guess my anime of the year because I, I didn't really watch a lot <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah
0: yeah i mean you know literally like every single adaptation of scott Pilgrim is different from the rest obviously you have the original graphic novel then you have the sort of fast paced live action movie then you have the game which is obviously like a very good video game but you know it's very much like a tldr sort of story version of it and then you have this one which is sort of like a pseudo sequel series of it that really takes everything scott Pilgrim related so far just mashes it up together and gives us a really good conclusion but also a really good way to flesh out the other characters as well Mm-hmm.
1: yeah I-, I loved it i i you know the comics did a great job characterizing scott i think the movie kind of give a g- great broader audience to really appreciate the series i think mm-hmm. this does a great job fleshing out basically almost everyone else <laughs> so like <laughs> R- R- ramon and the x's especially so um i think altogether it makes a really great package and i recommend everyone to consume everything scott pilgrim because it's very good
0: <laughs> yeah all right so is there anything else you'd like to add
1: no that's that's everything
0: All right, so thank you guys for listening to the Travis and Amy Podcast, episode 126. I almost forgot the number. (laughs) We will see you guys uh, a little over two weeks from now with the next episode. Later.